0: Coming up on episode 273 of Wheel Bearings, we've got the Mazda CX-50, the Rolls-Royce Ghost Black Badge, the Mercedes Sprinter, all-wheel drive diesel, Toyota Tacoma TRD Pro, a wrap-up from the LA Auto Show, including the Fiat 500E coming back to America, an interview with Larry Dominique, head of Alfa Romeo and Fiat for North America, and a bunch of listener questions. All that and more coming up next. (laughs) This is episode 273 of Wheel Bearings. I'm Sam Lagoal Samit from Guidehouse Insights.
1: I am Nicole Wakling from the Fast Women Podcast.
2: And I am Roberto Baldwin from Let's Say Jalopnik this week. Jalopnik. Uh, ooh, that's a new one. I know. I'm just collecting publications like they're Pokemon. <laughs> what?
1: Gotta catch what? them all. Gotta
2: catch
0: what, them all. What did, what did you do for Jalopnik?
2: Uh, I can't say. <laughs> oh, okay. Is that still under embargo. <laughs> it's still under embargo. It's a oh, secret.
0: Okay. All right. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. Secretly, no secrets. Um, okay. Um, well, we're for for those listening. We're actually trying something new right now. Um, trying to migrate away from Twitter uh, as much as we can, and so I've set up a Discord. Um, I will uh, right now. It's only available to uh, people supporting us on Patreon. Um, if once I figure out that things are working, we may open it up to the rest of you. Um, and we're actually, I think, we're live streaming what we're talking about right now. <laughs> we'll see. I'm not entirely sure. It says it's streaming. It says your stream is still running. We've paused this working. preview to save your resources. So we'll see what happens. See if we get any feedback from patrons and about how it worked or didn't. Um, but um, <laughs> since since we're uh, we've got. Some stuff that's under embargo, and uh, we're scrambling to get working here because Nicole's power flicked out <laughs> just as we're about to start.
1: <laughs> it, uh, may <laughs> it may again. It may
0: again. Nicole's in the storm center.
2: There's, storm there's
1: watch, like, we have a gale force warning for till like for the next twelve hours, and I think my house may be whisked away to Oz at any moment. So
0: we 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 actually got about an inch of snow here last night, and even though it's you know a paltry amount of snow, I decided to take out my new electric. Battery-powered snowblower, <laughs> just to try it out. That's <laughs> That's
1: like peak guy. I don't really need this, but I'm going to use this. new I know I'm going to need it, but I,
0: you know, I Not wanted to smoke. test it, you know, while it, you know, well, before yeah. it was you know, before Three I could still return it if I needed to.
1: And you're you're keeping it. It, it performed yeah, acceptably. It. Okay. It, it
0: performed acceptably. That's one excellent. Inch, It works. Yeah. It works well in one inch of snow. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see what happens. I mean, all the reviews I watched say it works great you know in deeper snow too so we will okay. see what happens three inches um, of snow <laughs> yeah I'm I'm, I'm I'm gradually shifting into this electrified life i've been using an electric snowblower for several years uh, or rather an electric lawnmower uh, now i'm shifting to an electric snowblower eventually i might get an electric car we'll see
1: i have an electric do you know we have a gas snowblower none of this electric snowblower stuff
0: we have need a... to, I
1: need to get three feet of snow in one hit. I don't think I'm ready for an electric snowblower just yet. <laughs>
0: well, the, the, we... the, the nice thing about the the you know, I I had an electric a gas one for that I used for 15 years, um, and you know, still still running good. But you know, they had the fumes and the noise and everything. This one's so much quieter. And, you know, just peaceful. Thing.
2: Yeah, I I worked. Um, on a farm as a teenager because of course I did and yeah. then um, I also did landscaping I had like a little landscaping business that I did and I god I hated <coughs> like, the gasoline everything and so when we bought our house like everything I'm buying is electric because <laughs> I just remember like oh let me do the mixture oh let me clean the spark plug oh let me try to like you know yanking on the stupid <laughs> weed whacker it's all f- flailing in my little weakling arms just, no <laughs> no I'm an adult. I went to college. I'm buying electric things. <laughs> <laughs> I just slap the thing
0: on and everything works. There's no more... Okay. Alright, well I've got a couple of things that I drove that are not electric. Um, we'll start off with the Mazda CX-50 Turbo. Um, so the, the CX-50 is the new compact-ish crossover. It's roughly the size of the CX-5. Not really a direct replacement for the CX-5. Um, it's you know i guess supposed to be a little more rugged looking uh you know so it's got slightly different design direction uh for for mazda you know where it looks like it's a little bit lower roofline um a little more flared out fenders you know to give it slightly more off-roaderish kind of looks
1: off-roaderish is that a professional term (laughs) off-roaderish
0: um I, I actually did I I drove the CX50 on a off road course um, at the Mama Spring Rally at Road America last last May, um, and they had they actually had two different courses there and the, and the day we were doing the off road stuff it was raining so it was nice and muddy they had two different courses um, one for the real off roaders like the Wranglers and you know big trucks and stuff like that and then another one for you know what I, back back in the early nineties when you know these small crossovers first started coming to market. I remember the car magazines referring referring to these as soft rotors. Um, Was it, that is,
1: really a thing, soft yeah. rotors? I'd yeah. never soft heard that before. Soft rotors.
2: Yeah. Okay. That's a so, weird
0: term. How is that even, like, I, right, whatever? Like that's, that's what they called them. Um, and this this definitely falls into that category. Um, you know, it, it, it did okay. You know, I mean, it, it's not going to take, you know, any, you know, it's going to be fine on a, you know, on a muddy, you um, slightly muddy trail, you know, out to your, your cabin or your cottage or something like that. Um, but it's, you're not going to want to take this, you know, on the Rubicon. You know, it's, it doesn't have that kind of ground clearance. Um, but, um, you know, I, I spent the, the week with it, um, driving it around. Um, this is the version with the 2.5 liter turbo four-cylinder. You can also get it with a naturally aspirated 2.5. Um, and those started about 27000 and change. Um, this one, was not 27,000 and change this was the high-end um version of it uh which uh what do they call it this was the um premium plus package the cx50 uh 2.5 turbo with premium plus package all-wheel drive um and uh it had the uh, the sole red crystal metallic paint which is still the best color in the industry yeah um still looks fantastic on on this thing um you know, inside it feels like most, like pretty much any modern Mazda, which is a good thing. Feels very premium. Um, you know, much more so than most of its competitors in the in the same price class. Um, you know, very nice materials and fit and finish. Um, as with other modern Mazdas, it does not have a touchscreen. It's got the central controller, uh, so I know that you know that would automatically be disqualified in the uh, in the Wakeland household.
1: Yes, it would. <laughs> uh,
0: but uh, you know the the Android Auto and Apple CarPlay uh, work fine on there. Um, the I like the 2.5 liter turbo. It's a, it's a really nice engine. 227 horsepower uh, and about uh, uh, was it 200 or 310 foot pounds of torque. Uh, so it, it it's got plenty of torque for this thing all wheel drive as I said um, it's fairly roomy uh, you know I mean it's it's comparable to you know other vehicles in the class like the Rav four and the Honda crv and and elsewhere you know so you've got room room for two and a half adults in the back seat um, and plenty of cargo space in in the back um, i I think I personally like the styling of the cX five. You know, which is more of the uh, the typical okay. Honda styling la- or Honda Mazda styling language current generation styling language than than this one um, but you know it's it's still an it's an attractive vehicle especially in this color um, leather seats um, lots of options in here heated seats and steering wheel which was good because you know this arrived uh, just as you know temperatures were uh, starting to go from the 70s down to the 30s and the 20s, uh, so that was handy to have um, have have those have that extra bit of heating in direct contact with my body. Um, rear power liftgate, uh, black uh, black trim um, on the the grill and and around various other places on the vehicle. Um, you know, just a generally very pleasant vehicle to drive on the road as a you know as a daily driver. Given that most people today, you know, are buying vehicles of this type, you know, compact to midsize crossovers, um, you know, it it drives like you would expect the Mazda to drive, uh, which is to say, very well. You know, it's very very comfortable, but you know, good good body control, good good ride quality, um, good handling. Um, it's just a, a just a great vehicle. Um, as I said, at the starting price, you know, it's also quite a good value. Um, the, the version that I had with all the stuff on there the 20 inch wheels, the 245, 45, 20 all season tires, um, you know, the rain, rain sensing windshield wipers, and all, all the other goodies. Um, value is not quite as much in the, in the uh, equation here. Um, the sticker price, the MSRP, um, $42,300. Um, the, the plus another is 595 for the soul crystal red paint. I mean, um, I pay
1: for the paint. The paint is really pretty that color. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, I would, I would go for one of the lower trim levels with that paint. Um, don't know that I would necessarily go for the premium plus, um, you know, there, there's a, you know, there's a lot, a lot of the, 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 features that you really want, like the heated seats and stuff you can get on the, some of the lower end trim levels, uh, there are, tr- you know, there are ten there. packages for this car. <laughs> yeah.
1: Are there really? Did you just look it up? Yeah. Is it really ten? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Ten
2: packages.
0: Which is unusual for for a Japanese car. Uh, yeah. or f- and, for Mazda, this one, who's not a big you know.
2: Yeah.
3: Not, yeah.
0: This this <laughs> is the first Mazda in a while that's been built in North America. It's built at the, the plant the joint venture plant that Mazda has with Toyota in was it in Alabama, I think. Yeah, ba- Alabama. Uh, where Toyota also builds the the Corolla Cross, um, and you know of the of the two vehicles coming out of that factory, I think I would definitely take this over the Corolla Cross. This yeah. is definitely much more engaging to drive. It doesn't have a CVT; has a, a six speed automatic transmission. Yeah. Um, so it's you know the Corolla Cross, on the other hand, is a lot more fuel efficient uh, than this one um, with the uh, with the turbo. It's EPA rated at 25 miles per gallon combined, so 23 city, 29 highway. Um, as the weather got started getting colder, um, I was getting closer to about 21, 22 average, uh, which is you know, not particularly exceptional for a actually, small not, crossover, not, not particularly great for a smaller crossover, um, but it is quick, you know. So it's got it's got plenty of performance. You know, if you want better fuel efficiency you probably want to go with the naturally aspirated one instead of the turbo um, but it won't be quite as much fun to drive uh, at least not in terms of acceleration you're still gonna you're still gonna have really good handling and, and driving dynamics but it's, it's just not going to have the the acceleration capability um, so any guesses on the uh, destination charge oh oh 1300 Nicole 1295 Ooh, you're so close. Nicole's actually closer, but you're both over, so you both lose the showcase. Oh gosh, dang it! Twelve seventy-five. Twelve seventy-five? I was
1: so
2: close.
0: Yes, you're I, off by twenty bucks in the wrong direction. Dang it! Uh, I hit, I think it either we both wins.
1: lose or Robbie wins every time.
0: <laughs> every, every
2: either I win or everyone loses. That's or everyone rule. loses. Just <laughs> no let him win. The, like like no the Wookiee.
1: Just let the Wookiee win. He always wins. Okay.
2: You should have said a dollar, Nicole. I should have said so a
0: dollar. That's the yeah. power move. Dang dollar. It. Wait till I just yell out a number and then say
1: like
0: $1. $1. <laughs> I mean, if you're not going to go over, you might as well go with a buck. Um, all right. The other thing that I drove, I actually it was actually two, three weeks ago now that I drove it uh, during the, uh, the BMW Test Fest when I was out in Palm Springs to drive the new 7 Series and the updated X7 and, and stuff. Um, they had a whole bunch of other... Uh, BMW group vehicles available to drive. So they had X5s and X3s and X1s and and Minis and um, and they even had, Jerry Spawn came out with a pair of Rolls Royces. Ooh. He, he brought out a Phantom and they brought out a Ghost Black Badge. And? and what did you think? So I, I, I drove the, the, the Ghost Black Badge mm-hmm. and I was really impressed with this car. I mean, I was I was not you know I drove we drove it I drove it from the the hotel um, up the uh, there's a curving road that goes up to the the Coachella Valley Vista Pass Vista Vista site Vista Point Vista Point that's it mm-hmm. um, and you know it's a really nice twisting road uh, it's a good good way to exercise you know the 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 driving dynamics of a car and I was shocked at how good this thing was I was not expecting a big Ultra luxury sedan, to you know, to be able to be that composed in that kind of driving environment. Now, the the Black Badge, um, it was something that was introduced was it earlier this year I think or, or late last year. Uh, it's it's a a package that you can get on various Rolls Royce models, including the Ghost, that gives the the grill trim and the uh, Spirit of Ecstasy hood ornament and everything are done in a, um, a black chrome finish instead of the traditional silver chrome finish. Um, and, you know, makes it look slightly more sinister. Um, it also gets a little more performance. It gets like 28 extra horsepower. So Ooh. the, uh, the But it's 7... also like 700,000 pounds. So 28 horsepower is... A... Mm. Not going <laughs> to yeah. do much for the weight of that thing. <laughs> uh, you know, the... The, it's a 6.75-liter twin-turbocharged V12, um, 591 horsepower in black badge trim. <laughs> um, so 28 is, yeah. yeah. 28. Uh,
1: You'll notice it. What are you talking about, pro- Robbie?
0: Probably not. But, I mean, it also tightens up the suspension a little bit and things like that. And the Ghost you know, is the, the smaller Rolls-Royce sedan, and smaller here being a relative term. You know, it's the civic ghost <laughs> com- <Rolls-Royce>. compared compared <laughs> to a phantom. <laughs> it is yeah. slightly less ostentatious. <laughs> um, you know, it, it weighs roughly three tons. Um, you know, so this is not a uh, this is not a spelt vehicle, uh, but it's really nicely proportioned. I think I think it's I always I've always thought the ghost was a very handsome uh, car. It it doesn't have that over the top kind of look that you might expect from a Rolls Royce. Um, you know, and compared to like the Dawn, uh, I forget which one is the Dawn, the convertible, the two-door convertible. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, and I forget what the coupe is called. Um, you know, it it's got a more classic Rolls Royce look to it, um, but it, you know, it's a very handsome handsome vehicle, and you know, while cool. it's not, yeah, and it, you know, it it it's certainly doesn't have the handling that you would have, you know. Certainly, you know, it's not quite up to the same standard as, you know, a 7 series, you know, like a 760i. Um, you know, it's slight, you know, the body's not quite as buttoned down, the body motions aren't quite as buttoned down as a BMW branded vehicle. You know, there's a little bit more motion, but all things considered, it it was a lot more controlled than I expected it to be. And it's, you know, with all that power, you know, it's got Plenty of plenty of acceleration capability. It's got big brakes on it on the black badge, um, and one um, one thing is, despite its size, it doesn't necessarily feel exceptionally roomy on the inside, especially in the back seat, because you know the the ghost is the the Rolls Royce for those that generally want to drive themselves, as opposed to being driven by their their chauffeur. You know, if you if you want to be driven around, you get a Phantom. You know, and you sit in that big rear seat area. Mm-hmm. If you want to drive your Rolls Royce yourself, you buy a Ghost or a Dawn or something. Um, and so the the back seat didn't feel quite as commodious as I expected, given its size. Uh, but you know, it's 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 more than adequate. Um, and, you know, it has a very... You just
1: described a Rolls-Royce. It's more than adequate. It's more I than mean, adequate. Whatever, it's more than adequate. <laughs> it, it, it ha-
0: you know, it has that, you know, very traditional British luxury feel in, in front. Uh, you know, it's, you know, lots of wood and, and everything. And it, it's, you know, it, it feels very traditional. Let's put it that way. Um, but it drives much more modern than it, than it, than it looks. Um, and um, I was I was really impressed with it. Um, want anybody want to take a guess on the price? Ooh, oh God. I was going to get
1: this right too. What did you say? Two forty-three. I'm going to go with one dollar.
2: Oh, one dollar. See that's a, see that's the power move.
1: <laughs> Trying it.
0: <laughs> well, Robbie wins again.
1: Son of, I knew it. It's but, no, but it's he's really not like, even have, But he's
0: not even close. I
1: was, my, oh. I was saying when I wanted to be sarcastic. I really would say I was going to let's how say three fifty three. The how, the
0: 2022 uh, Rolls Royce Ghost Black Badge that I drove. Outrageous. Um, the Black Badge package is forty three thousand eight hundred and fifty dollars.
1: <laughs> just the package. So
0: it's the it's the it's the, it's the cost of that CX fifteen <laughs> just drove.
1: The, just for the package. The
0: the, the burnout gray. Paint on the exterior was fifteen thousand nine hundred dollars. Oh my god! So um,
1: the, Fifty-eight
0: thousand dollars. Twenty-five 20, hundred and seventy-five dollars for the pinstripe, uh, oh which god. and this. Oh, that, 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 I forgot. This was one nice, interesting detail. It had a purple pinstripe down Ooh, the length of the car. Fancy because the rest of it, it isn't. And then it, <laughs> it also had like purple stitching on the inside. So you had gray, you know, with purple contrast stitching. Um, you know, it, was a, it was a really nice color combination. I, r- I really liked it. Um, all in, this came to a grand total of $492,250. Oh, my God. Was, dollars. So
2: f- a half a million dollars. Yes. A half a
1: million dollars.
2: Just shy of a half a
0: million dollars. Oh, my God. It's a, it's, a, it's a good thing that I didn't look at the Monroney before I drove it up the mountain.
1: Right? Because you'd be yeah. like, oh, Lord, I don't want to drive this oh. thing. <laughs>
0: You know, uh, the website has some
2: like really strong eyes wide shut vibes. Yeah, <laughs> like if you go to the website, just kind of scroll down a little bit. There's like a video, and it gets very like, yeah, <laughs> like oh, what's going on here? What's happening?
0: Um, you want to guess on the destination charge? Five thousand three
1: hundred dollars. <laughs> I'm still gonna, I'm just gonna keep trying. One of these days, one dollar.
0: Nicole wins. Yes. Yay! It's twenty twenty-seven fifty. Okay,
1: twenty-seven fifty. Oh, that's actually as much as I thought. I was gonna say twenty-five
2: hundred, but then I realized I should just double everything when I'm talking about this. Because if I had doubled my,
1: <laughs> you would have been like, right.
2: Would have been right if I said twenty-five hundred. I blew it.
0: Yeah, uh, um, and then twenty-six hundred dollar gas guzzler tax as well.
2: Oh, so I was right. Five
1: thousand. is the gas guzzler tax more than the the sh- the destination? It is. Uh, no,
0: it? it's slightly oh, less than slightly the destination. Slightly less. Okay. Destination was twenty seven fifty. Oh, twenty six hundred for okay. the gas guzzler tax. Oh. Uh, so yeah, 492000 uh, <gasps> dollars. Rolls Royce Ghost Black Badge. Which
1: realistically, uh, not a single person even considering buying that is actually looking at the price tag, so they don't no, care.
0: No, no. I mean, if if you're if you're considering a Rolls Royce, you know, if if, just if, if it's it something you that's even like remotely it. in your the possibility of you owning, you just do it. You you don't yeah. you don't like, consider honey, the I'm gonna, price.
1: I'm gonna go shopping. I bought a Rolls Royce. Yeah. Okay, honey. See
2: the, you the, thing,
0: the thing, the the things that you're gonna consider are what color do I want and yes. what contrast stitching do I want? Bespoke
2: it all. Yeah. yeah put yeah. your yeah. name. I mean, there's a lot the...
0: of bespoke stuff in this car. Get like Marvin the Martian, like stitched into the <laughs> seats. <laughs> there you go. And
1: now I want to see what kind of Rolls Royce you would configure, Robbie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Uh, so that, that is the Rolls-Royce Ghost black badge. So if you're looking for you know some supremely luxurious um, uh, you know British classic British motoring that, that you will be doing the driving as opposed to having your driver do it, um, this, is, this is the car for you.: This
1: is the one to pick.
0: Yeah, this is absolutely the one to pick. Um, so, Nicole. Yes.
1: yes. I am ready now. I have. A twenty-two Toyota Tacoma TRD Pro uh, is what I've been driving around this week, um, and I have the color. It is electric lime metallic. It is so bright, guys! It is like a neon <laughs> beacon of greenness in the it's parking not, lot.
2: It's not good. It's it, bright. a beacon of greenness. I it like that. Oh, it is a beacon
1: of greenness. Oh, did you just if you go look to it? the
2: site? Great. You can see the. It, it uh-huh.
1: is, it's it's uh, You aren't gonna miss it anywhere. You know what? This
2: is when you get lost in the woods. Cuz you got your turn to Tacoma, you may be feeling a little like, "Hey, I'm an outdoorsy person now." Yeah. You go driving out, off-roading for the first time. Probably don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You get stuck. Now you got to call, you know, nine-one-one, or if you have like the new iPhone, will like do satellite and it's like, "What yes. am I looking for?" You're like, "Look for the bright,
1: the, the neon day beacon glow of greenness in the yeah. n- depths of the forest. That is me. That's me. <laughs>
2: so that's actually a good color."
1: So it's, it's very green. Uh, so aside from the fact that it's it certainly like is. I, I need sunglasses before I can get into the car. Uh, so it's a Toyota Tacoma. Uh, it, it's it's it, The thing with the Tacoma is it's not looking fresh anymore inside. Like we're in the third gen, and I think this is like seven years of this generation or something at this point. So they haven't done... I mean, it's okay. got little updates here, little updates there. <laughs> little bit, okay, you could say little they bit.
0: haven't done anything. <laughs> they haven't really done anything. So <laughs> well, there's, it's, there's it's... probably going to be a new Tacoma coming next year.
1: Yes, so let's, let's, let's hope, because it's, it's not that it's bad. It's just starting to feel very dated is what's happening, because it is. So it has, under ye olde hood, it has a 3.5 liter V6, uh, with two hundred and seventy eight horsepower two hundred and sixty five pound feet of torque it 's not a huge truck so that's that 's fine it 's not exactly an aggressive off the line kind of vehicle but that 's fine but also has a six speed automatic transmission that i it it does not do a good job of shifting smoothly, especially if you 're driving up even remotely um hilly roads i took it this morning it was pancake breakfast time uh, so we went out into the middle of nowhere to parker's maple barn which requires twisting roads that are up and down hills in new hampshire and it it shifts harshly when you're going up and down hills and you're it, it's it's not the smoothest ride um so that was my criticism of that and that it's also kind of loud it's not a quiet vehicle now granted this is the off-road version the off-roadiest of them um but I don't think that that's like a I mean, so that's like, you know, the wheel noise that you hear a little bit more and the, the ride is bouncier on road than it probably would be in other versions of the Tacoma. But it's not like this is going to be a smooth, comfy, let's go for a multi-day road trip kind of vehicle. Um, I feel like if you're really into the off-road thing, like you really plan to do that, it's not just a, oh, maybe kind of, sure, go ahead and get the TRD Pro. Uh, but I, it's, it just feels dated in so many ways it makes me like i think it's good it was probably gooder a few years back <laughs> yeah. um it's just it's just dated it feels dated you can so, get it
0: with a trans, a manual transmission though so you got that the last Tacoma i had actually was a manual transmission but and that's I, kind of, I drove
1: of, it yeah. i drove it with a manual a couple of years ago maybe <laughs> and like same truck, just a couple years older, um, and I drove it with the manual transmission, and I was like, "Oh, it was it was again, it was fine." I don't know that it made it's it kind any of a better. sloppy
0: manual though. I mean, it's, it's like a, one of those yeah, it's, it's one of those a, old school manuals where it's, long throws and yeah. it's not while it's real in vague gear, you can still move are. it a good six inches left and right while it's yeah.
2: in gear.
1: Yeah, so it's, it 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 changes the criticisms, <laughs> but it doesn't really. I don't know if it really. <laughs> It just changes the criticisms. Now we're criticizing the manual transmission. So again, it all has to do with it's just needing to be new. It needs to. It needs a refresh. Refresh. Uh, the other thing that I noticed, this is funny. So it's Thanksgiving week, um, as or about, to yeah, exactly, it's Sunday. It's Thanksgiving week. My daughter's home from college with her boyfriend who's over six feet tall, and I think he nearly gave himself a concussion twice sliding into the back seat because it's very low. Oh. So if you're tall, you hit that door frame. And then my oh. husband did the same thing, getting in the front. I'm like, <coughs> so it wasn't just that one of them was doing. So it's it's just low enough that if you are that six foot plus crowd, you, you kinda have to duck a little. It's it's not for And tally, your whole
2: life is ducking by the way. I think people don't realize like when you're when you're tall, your whole life is like always in anticipation of smacking your head on something.
1: Yeah. See I, Robbie, be careful if you get into coma because you're gonna give yourself a concussion. Yeah. <laughs> so it was very low. But if you know, Okay, you're short. You don't care if your friends kill themselves when they try to sit into the car. Go for it if your friends are tall. Um, it because well, the them. right? Because <laughs> it's the TRD Pro, it has all the extra TRD Pro logos. Like there's a hood decal and there's there's like embossed stuff on the seats. So you get some extra. Bling for going with your TRD. And you also get some extra. I think it's got a little bit higher. It's got a suspension system that's geared for off roading. It has um, some skid plates to keep you from destroying the bottom of it if you're hitting rocks and stuff. So it really genuinely is an off road vehicle. Um, it's a double cab, so it's a four door. So you do, like I said, you've got room for five technically in there, I guess, but not top. five you're Five
0: sets of seat belts.
1: Yeah, you've got, <laughs> so five sets of seat belts, mm, your mileage may vary. Uh, so I would it's really for four and if you have tall it, really if you're a tall guy really pay attention before you buy this uh, infotainment you get an 8 inch touchscreen. Uh, you get Apple CarPlay, Android Auto and this version with the automatic transmission only I believe you get a JBL audio system it changes up when you have a different configurations um, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, not my favorite truck just because I feel like it feels dated. Like, I, I wanted, I feel like if I drove this three years ago, I would have been much more excited about it than I am right now. The other thing worth noting is okay, fuel economy. So, according to my handy dandy Monroe, 18 city, 22 highway for 20 combined. Any guesses? I've been driving a pretty 50 50 mix of highway and country roads the last few days. Any, 17, any
0: 16
1: uh sam wins but no wait neither of you do because you both went over right oh Isn't that wow what happens <laughs> yeah, If you both go both over losers. right so you both lose 14.9 uh, <laughs> is, right <sighs> is what i'm at 14.9 uh, 14.9 is what i'm at and i'm like wow that's that's something that it was and i'm not driving aggressively and it's just like 14.9 really so um
2: yeah. it's because you have all those tall people weighing it down <laughs>
1: It's the tall. It's all the use, Robbie. You tall people cost me money and gas. Well, we
2: have all these um, extra like innards.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. all that extra weight from your your foot extra bones and, and yeah, muscles, extra bones, extra bones muscles, and muscles, and yeah, guts, all that, yeah, mm-hmm.
2: small intestine. So,
1: I, I just weighs so much. Have you ever weighed a small intestine? You have no idea. So anyway, yeah. So it the fuel economy is really not great. I mean, if you this is definitely not a long distance commuter car, road trippy kind of car. It's for somebody who's not putting on huge amounts of mileage on their vehicle. It doesn't really mind the gas price. um, Or really is focused on the off-road part of things because it's, I think of it as like, it's great if it's just like you and your significant other and you like to run off and do off-roading on the weekends kind of thing. It's, it's not for anybody who wants like a nice comfy modern truck. It's just too dated.
0: To be fair to Toyota, you know, the, Ford Ranger and the uh, Chevy Colorado don't get particularly great fuel economy either.
1: No, it's not like, well, it's not so much that it's getting bad fuel economy, but it's A, it's getting yucky fuel economy, and it's way below what it should be yeah. getting. Like, and I'm not being aggressive. I'm like, how am I getting fuel economy that's that abysmal? But that's what I'm getting. So,
2: yeah, no it, it's small the trucks, pro, actually. It's the TRD pro. You have to be a professional. Like, you have to have a professional job where you make enough money to pay for gas.
1: Yes, exactly. You if you're a TRD college. That intern, seems like a reasonable explanation. No. Oh. If, you're, if you're a TRD want, still in college, no.
2: <laughs> I want to bring something up that my friend has been bringing up to me for years. Um, what? How the TRD name uh, is, oh, is a horrible. Oh, my
1: God. Mm-hmm.
0: Because it's turd. Turd. <laughs> yeah.
1: I almost said that right of the Toyota Turd Pro. Oh, my
0: God. <laughs> it, I mean, for, for those that don't know, TRD actually stands for Toyota Racing Development, which is Toyota's in-house... North American Performance Group.
1: But it doesn't say that. It says turd on the side of your truck. Oh, the other thing that... This is the other thing. This, is tr- this was kind of surprising. It could say so
2: tread. It, I guess. It says
1: turd. Sam, it, it says turd. Says turd. You're trying, but we're all we're reading all it as turd. We're all yeah. children.
2: We're all reading it. So we're it. all 12. Come on.
1: So the price on this truck, it's $51,203. So not cheap. Uh, okay, go for it with a delivery.
0: Nine nine five. Oh, Robbie? One dollar? No, twelve
1: hundred. <laughs> <laughs> you win again. <laughs> you're the, well. You're the closest with not going over twelve fifteen.
2: Yeah.
1: So twelve fifteen. So here's the funny thing. And my daughter complained about this, and I actually thought, oh, I thought, gosh, she's right. When I looked at the price, so you have a power driver's seat, cool. You have a manual passenger seat. You get a fifty-one thousand dollar truck, and you got to manually Ooh. adjust the passenger seat.
2: That's. I mean, I can right. understand that if you were paying like. Forty thousand,
1: maybe. Right, but or I'm like, 30? it's a fifty one thousand dollar truck and you only have a one. power driver's seat. Passengers suck it up. You're gonna have to scoop it's all that those, thing back and forth. It's all those yeah. giant
2: T R D stickers. Those are pricey. It's
1: Yeah. So yeah, so you, so I thought that was an interesting choice. I'm like, really? Like so are they really just thinking it's Never gonna have a passenger. It's just one guy out there, woohoo, having fun out in the forest on a weekend. I don't know, but yeah. So that I felt like that was a lot of money for like. You can even give him like a six-way adjustable a little passenger seat, even. No.
2: Come on, just forward and back yeah. at least.
1: Yeah, just a little bit of power adjustability. Give me, a, give me some. None,
2: yeah. nada.
3: Oh,
1: well that's. Not so good. I don't have a lot of love. I feel like I'm hating on the Tacoma. I just really, genuinely feel like it's dated. It is. in just so many ways. That's what it comes down to. It is a perfectly fine truck. It's going to do the job. It's not a terrible truck. It's just that as other OEMs are releasing vehicles and updating them and as they haven't yet updated the Tacoma, I think when the next gen comes out, probably all these things will change because it's a really popular truck, and it's good in its own merits. It's just very dated in a lot of ways right now.
2: Totally yeah, You know, I mean, the other on a
0: platform for 700 years, though, because they know yeah, it will yeah. keep selling. That's true. Yeah, you know, the, the other three vehicles in this segment, you know, the, the Nissan Frontier was new last year. Mm-hmm. There's we've we've already seen the, the new generations of the Colorado Canyon and Ranger that should be hitting the road early part of twenty twenty three. And I I'm fairly confident that we'll see a new Tacoma yeah. by this time next year.
1: So maybe what I'm saying is hold for just a little bit if you really want a Tacoma. Yeah. Hold that thought.
0: Unless you absolutely, really, desperately need and want the current generation Tacoma. Yes,
1: and don't think that you'll cry when you see the new generation and think, if I just waited one more year, look what I could have (laughs) had.
0: I'm I'm, I'm fairly Uh, confident in saying that the new generation Tacoma will have a larger grill. So uh, if if you don't want a larger grill, then you might want to go for the current one. But otherwise, wait.
1: If that's all you're concerned about, then go with the current one. If anything else matters to you, no. (laughs) If any other thing about the truck is important to you other than the grill.
4: (laughs) When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot slash podcast. Easier said. Done.
5: Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue, but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs If you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to Giant dot com slash mike to get twenty percent off your first order. That's Giant dot com slash mike.
2: Sprinter van. So uh this week, this past week, last week? Yeah, sure. That sounds about right. I drove <laughs> the. I flew all the way. To recently. Germany. Recently. Yeah. Recently. Uh, previously on. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie's life in the sky. I drove all. I didn't drive. I didn't drive just there. I flew all the way to Germany to drive the new uh, Sprinter diesel van. And uh, previously, if you wanted, you know, all four tires turning at the same time, you got the four by four Sprinter, which was it was a four by four. So you know. You had to like shift in the low gear, and when you ever hit the little button, it made that clank, you know. So, like, a real four wheel yeah. drive as opposed yeah. to an all wheel drive. Yeah, it was clonk, and then you went yeah. <laughs> in the gear, and, rah, rah, rah. and of course, you didn't know when you're,
1: you're all about the sound effects today. Okay, go I'm, ahead. I'm living a dream
2: <laughs> over here. Um, so the uh, the new Sprinter is now an all wheel drive vehicle, so it's just all wheel drive all the time. You don't have to worry about this. This isn't a you don't have to like slam it into four-wheel drive low. You don't have to worry about, like, well, is this when I should have it in four-wheel drive? This is when I shouldn't have it in four-wheel drive. Um, So that's nice. Um, And I drove it for, I don't know, like 30 minutes on the street. It's got a new uh, four-cylinder engine as opposed to the V6 that it had before. It's got a turbocharged four-cylinder diesel. And it drove really nice. It it was quieter. There um, There was less vibration. Um, it was just a, a, a much, you know, has a little bit more low end torque, which is always when you're like, oh, it's going to a smaller engine. No, this is all better. Everything about the smaller engine in this vehicle is better. Um, and so I, th- yeah, I was, I was uh, impressed with the, uh, with the diesel, uh, that, that, that four cylinder diesel. Um, the, and, you know, the, uh, the gas version, which I did not drive is also moving to a four cylinder. Um, But yeah, the uh, moving it over
0: to all-wheel drive is definitely the right thing to do. Really, I mean it's so. You flew all the way from California to Germany (laughs) to drive this thing for thirty minutes.
2: So what happened was (laughs) we get there and we're supposed to do this like very this this off-road course that was Mm -hmm. like the thrust of the thing. And then we got there and lo and and behold, you know it's it rains in Germany in the winter. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So the track in there. The track that they had for us, it had rained too much. It's really a motorcycle track, so it was just full of rocks. They just couldn't do it. And it, the, they didn't outfit it with, like, off-road tires. It just had, like, some winter tires, some van-rated winter tires that you could, like, you know, drive on some snow and, and, and drive Yikes. on. And so what happens is when you have a very heavy, tall vehicle, um, going forward, and, and this, is, this is, again... Why when people say, well, it's all-wheel drive, it's going to be fine. So (laughs) you can go straight and back with all-wheel drive, no problem. But as soon as you turn or you're on some sort of uh, uh, slope that's Mm -hmm. perpendicular to what the vehicle is, You're going to slide. So if your vehicle is going straight, but the slope you're on is at a 45-degree degree, you are going to slide sideways at 45 degrees. (laughs) So (laughs) Been there, done that. Uh So the the, the off-road portion was more just driving up a little hill and then doing a a U-turn in a very, very slick, muddy thing where if you turn the wheel, like the car would kind of slide, you you get some sweet, sweet uh, 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 understeer. And and of course it did it did slide a little bit perpen- you know perpendicular to the to the road because it was on a little bit of a thing and then we went down a hill and we used the uh, the down the descent mode you know to so you just let your foot off the gas and it'll go down at like I think it was twelve kilometers an hour is like top speed, which is nice because you mm-hmm. know when you put the brakes on you're sliding you're like oh god I don't know what to do. You can just throw in, you know, you throw in descent mode, and it takes care of the, you know, the all-wheel drive system is figuring out like what to brake and what not to brake. So that's what I ended up doing, which was not an all-wheel. So what should have been a much more robust all-wheel uh, off-road experience was less robust. <laughs> <It> was less,
1: but <laughs> um, less.
2: But if you've driven the Sprinter before, unfortunately, I, <coughs> I had driven the Sprinter before. Um, you can just tell right off the bat, just like driving it around, that it, it is a it is a much better vehicle. Um, and the reason I'm talking about the Sprinter, because most of these are sold to fleets, is because more and more, especially since uh, the pandemic, people are buying Sprinters and outfitting them. Um, mm-hmm. And they are making them into these, either, you know, people like Winnebago or, or, or Airstream or whoever, you know... That, you know, we Over, can just buy, overland you, you can overland van. with it, or people are just buying uh, an empty cargo van and then you know, taking it to a friend or to a company or you know some local place or doing it themselves and creating these these sort of magical off road uh, camping machines. Which you know, as a with the tall body, I can stand inside of a sprinter and walk back and forth without smacking my head, which mm-hmm. makes me very happy.
0: Anytime. <laughs> Yeah. Well, when when we were in California on vacation, we saw a lot of those. They're all over of the place up here. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's Northern California, Southern California. They're silly
2: with sprinters.
1: <laughs> it's silly with silly sprinters. with sprinters. <laughs> with silly sprinters.
2: with and, sprinters, and a lot of
0: them are the four. There are the four by fours. Well, we saw a lot of them in, in Palm Springs too. Yeah, on Palm silly. Springs.
2: Silly with sprinters. We we love yeah. them. We love them. When I had I had a sprinter and I went to a lucid event, um, like a pre production. Um, uh, they were driving it around Laguna Seca. And I went there to talk to all the engineers. This is a mule. It was the, it was before the Sapphire. It was the tri-motor, you know, uh, Lucid Air. And they all stopped what they were doing to go look at the Sprinter that I had driven <laughs> down to. And it was just a big oh, cargo funny. van. There was nothing inside <laughs> of it. But they were just like, oh, we could do this and this. They were all very excited about what they could do with their Sprinter. And then later on, Lucid has, uh, you know, they have trucks that'll you know like service trucks and guess what they
0: are sprinters sprinters, sprinters. yeah when when the, when <laughs> they came when they came to fix uh, replace my flat tire a couple of weeks ago that's what the guy came in he came with a, in a sprinter with you know lucid logos on the side
2: so i think they that loose uh, this is a smart move by mercedes they could have very easily just kept it the you know the v6 they get very very you know could have left it the 4x4 model but they made the you know that that uh turbocharged four, uh, four-cylinder is very smooth. It's much quieter. Uh, it's a much nicer ride. Um, and then making it an all-wheel drive system is just sort of gets rid of all that sort of like people having to figure out when to put it in four-wheel drive, when not to put it in four-wheel drive. Can I do it now? Can I? What if I'm driving on the road and it's really, if it's snowy and I'm doing 40, can I be in four-wheel drive? All that's gone. All yeah. that sort of like trying to figure out what you can and can't do with your Sprinter is gone. You just, it's all-wheel drive all the time. Uh, has torque vectoring using the the brakes, so you know it's 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 you know. So. And they're gonna sell that diesel version here in North America. Then they will, and it's on sale now. Oh wow! Like you can go out oh, and buy cool. a diesel. The gas version will be out later on. It's only rear wheel drive if you get gas, though. So if you want okay. all wheel drive, you got it. You got to go diesel. So uh, yeah, no, it, it was a very. Um, it wasn't as uh, exciting as I had hoped. <laughs> <laughs> but fortunately, the road portion of the drive uh, was, you know, and we're driving through like Germany, which is like, hey, big German cities, and then teeny, teeny, tiny little weird German towns <laughs> where you're just like, I gotta drive through this small little road because all the roads were built for like carriages, seven yeah, thousand years ago, yep. and
0: like the Huns or something. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> the Huns. <laughs> so they yeah. never
1: foresaw the Sprinter van. They never what, foresaw. the, the t-
0: starting price on this? So the starting
2: price is now they they gave me like three different sports. Let's just say around forty-five thousand. <laughs> okay, between forty-five around. and fifty thousand. Um, if you're getting the all-wheel drive version, though, it's going to pop it up to like sixty. Oh, yeah, somewhere, yeah. So it's it's um, eleven thousand five hundred for the shorter wheelbase. No, it's twelve thousand five hundred fifty for the shorter wheelbase, and eleven thousand five hundred fifty for the one hundred seventy wheelbase, which is probably the one that's going to most people are going to get the one hundred seventy millimeter wheelbase.
0: Centimeter? Whatever.
2: Anyway, the larger uh, inch. inch. Yeah, it's inch. It's inch. inch. Sorry,
0: I was in Germany, so I'm just like, oh, one hundred seventy millimeters would be. It's like three
2: (laughs) feet. That'd be like a a Hot Wheels (laughs) sprinter.
1: The Hot Wheels sprinter. Here's a three. You definitely wouldn't fit in that one, Robbie
2: i would not fit in that one um yeah but i I mean, people are just throwing the money at these things so i think it's you know if it's 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 better for the fleet because it's going to have better Mm -hmm. it's yes better gas mileage you know you throw a smaller engine in there um but i think it's better for the customers as well The, the 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 straight to regular regular folks who are who are just going bonkers throwing surf gear and and kayaks and just anything you could think of on top of a sprinter. I st- all, they're everywhere. <laughs> all they're things. everywhere. And I kept saying, it, and I think people who aren't in California may have, I, is it not everywhere else? Is it just a California thing? Have you guys seen it's, a lot of sprinters like just outfitted? like? It's I mostly honestly,
0: a California
2: thing. I
1: think I, it's a California thing because here when I see them, they're a, a work vehicle a work of vehicle? some kind. Yeah. yeah I, I, ha- I have
0: seen some like uh, the summer when I went up to Traverse City, uh, in Northern Michigan. I did see some up there, uh, but around here you don't really see them outfitted that way very much. Okay,
2: uh, I was I was saying that a lot, and people and some people who aren't from California were looking at me like I was a crazy man. I'm like, there's fine. like one on my block. Yeah. there's two.
0: There's yeah. two on my block. Yeah, no, I mean especially over the last couple of years, you know, a lot of people, you know, that were wor- working remotely, um, you know, got into the whole van life thing. You know, got these overlanding sprinters and and transits and, and other similar stuff and got them outfitted and, you know, hit the road. You know, some of them now, you know, people are putting uh, Starlink dishes on the roof. You know, that's so they can, cool. as long as they don't work for Twitter. Yeah. You
2: know. Yeah.
1: It's a, they'll be all set.
2: They'll yeah. be all set. Yeah. Yeah. Go back in the office. I, I have a whole thing about like Facebook and Twitter saying like, you can't get paid the same amount if you move to another town. I'm like, that's not fair, but that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> If you're making if you're making Facebook money, if I move to Des Moines, Iowa, I should still be allowed to make the same amount of Facebook money. But that's that.
0: well to to be fair, um, you know, most most of those people, um, you know, a lot of companies have a policy of you know if you live in a high cost of living area, they basically pay you more to offset that. Right. So you know, it's it's always been the policy. You know, depending on where you live, your pay
1: rate has always been based on where you live. You'll make more for the same job in LA or Cal or like New York City than you will in outer Jepp. So I think that's what companies are like. We paid you more because your rent was outrageous. Now your rent is a dime. So yeah, that's always been a thing. But the value of
2: your work hasn't been diminished by being in a different. But your
1: compensation based on. uh, Uh, God. Next.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway,
0: enough of that. All right. Uh, so let's talk about what happened in L.A. this week. Um, Nicole, you were the only one of the three of us that actually kind of went to the <laughs> L.A. Auto Show. Kinda, I did. Kind of <laughs> <Yeah>. went.
1: Kind of <laughs> right. went. I did actually go to the L.A. Auto Show. So here's the thing. There was no really big news, which I think has pretty much been the state was, of the state. There was
0: one pretty big piece of news.
1: What was the pretty big piece of news?
0: Fiat's bringing the 500E back to North America. <laughs>
1: That's the, that qualifies as the big news. okay? Well, there's oh, the Genesis. But, I, but no, yeah. the, I did have something. So the Fiat 500E, which I do actually think is, is pretty cool. If they're bringing it back. And there are three little ones it? the... They have a Giorgio Armani one, a Bulgari one, and one from a company called Cartel. K A R T E Which is apparently
0: another fashion company.
1: Which is... Well, I didn't realize this. So None when I first was looking this, this up at... It looks like all I can think of is cocaine. Like, it's a cartel. So <laughs>
2: all I, expect, I can think of is cocaine. It looks like I cocaine. I expect
1: it to be. I'm like, so is this version of the car when you pull up the carpet, there's additional storage? Wink, wink. Like, wink. what are you hiding in the car, the cartel car? Like, I just... But then it's I Googled... It's a few
2: kilos lighter than the other cars. Kilo, so that yeah. you can... So you hit parity after... You know, all those you know, bricks for the
1: EV, it. one of those brick spots is empty, wink. Um, so, but yeah, it's just like... It's it, the name was so I, I now know that there's another you know luxury brand that I was unaware of, but it's actually really cool in person. It's like purple. It's really mm-hmm. kind of funky, but you can only get them. It's an auction, so you can only get them if you auction off. Oh, so you can't yeah, just. There's
0: only going to be the three of them. The three, yeah, so the you can't one-offs. actually
1: just buy it. Um, so I guess that was big news. What was Genesis? They won the Motor Trend.
0: Car they won the car of the year of the year for, for motor the trend. G90. Get,
1: yeah, um, so that was a big deal. They had Hyundai had the Ionic Six. There to look at. Um, And actually, Roberto, did you... I know we can't say anything about it yet. Did you drive it at World Car?
2: Yes. Yes, I did.
1: Okay. So we can't say what we thought, but we both drive it, drove it. But we can say what we thought about what it looked like. You can't just give any drive impressions. So that was... It actually looks really stunning. It looks very... It looks... It builds on the five, but it gets a little fancier, and it has some kind of cool materials and textures and stuff. Um, so that was there. What else was what? I, like this tells you the epitome well, of the LA Auto Show. But, I'm literally like, I don't know, nothing really. was super exciting. Right, so,
0: But well, b- before we get into the other stuff from LA, um, the the Ionic Six, you know, it was first shown in South Korea several months ago, mm-hmm. and they did they did release some details about the, the North American spec version. Like, uh, for example, you know, it's going to have the same battery that's in the Ionic Five, um, but because it's a sedan, it's a little lower, a little more aerodynamic than the Ionic Five. It's going to have um, better range. It's it's going to have up to three hundred and forty miles of range
4: mm-hmm. for
0: the rear wheel drive version, um, which is pretty impressive for for this thing. Um, did uh, well? I guess I don't know if you can talk about what it was like inside. I can't talk about what it was
1: like to drive it. They said drive impressions. So in terms of everything else, we were allowed to talk about it. So it was... um, Inside, it still continues that sort of Ionic 5 thing with a little pixel design all Mm -hmm. over the place, which is actually really slick looking. Um, And they... So... And it does... You know it still has that roominess, it still you know has the same level of quality. I guess I would say that the ionic five had it sort of just almost feels like okay the next iteration in terms of the style and design it's not a dramatic change, but it is a little bit okay we're 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 moving on a theme here're we're, we're moving forward with that um so but I liked how it looked I liked how I like how the five looks, so the fact that yeah, I think mean, that the, the six looks, looks good is good no surprise. surprise and, and the, the need, some of the, the neatest stuff though is on the, the outside, outside of this, this car, car. like the um, the, um the antenna, the antenna the little wing antenna, wing antenna on, the roof, on the roof it's the shark through. fin the shark fin shark antenna, antenna you can see through, through it oh yeah so when you yeah so when you go up close and you look it's not like it's completely clear it's sort of like a smoky kind of thing so from a distance you think it's just you can't see you get up close and you can see the electronic components inside of it which is is pretty cool it was pretty neat um and the way that they have the sort of that pixel light design throughout the back. It's really pretty. It's got some neat character to it. Like when you walk up to it, when the, we were in a parking garage where we were taking the cars from for World Cars, so it was very, it was darker, so you really got to see how the lights looked. Um, it looks good. Inside and out. it looks very good, and the materials quality is really good, which is no surprise because it's that's Hyundai. sort of typical of Hyundai. You, you don't generally get a plastic fantastic Hyundai for the most part. So, um, yeah, so that was the Yoniq 6, and I'll be when I have, when we're allowed to talk about it, which I think is in for months and months, actually, uh, March? I will talk did, did about it. Did they
0: say when it's going to go on sale
1: here? I, I believe they had said March. Is that what you thought, Rob? No, I too? think, the,
0: I think the, <laughs> the
2: embargo is March.
1: Yeah, the oh, embargo really? is – yeah, okay. it's like literally months. and But I think it's supposed to be on sale by March. I think that's why. I think March is when, like, the official first drives and it's going to be on sale and everything lifts. We don't even have a date. It was just like March, hold your thoughts kind of thing. Don't say anything about drive impressions.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Well, the uh, there were there was actually another car, uh, something all new that was announced in conjunction with the LA Auto Show. It wasn't actually announced at the show oh. floor. It was oh, the night before. Yes. And that is uh, the Toyota Prius. Um, Nicole, you and I saw it back in June at we Toyota did. Palooza in Plano. Um, and we got we got an early preview look at it mm-hmm. and. I don't know about you, but I was kind of shocked when I saw it back in June. Um, you know, when they took the the silk off of it back then, I did not think it was a Prius.
1: Yeah, we all had that moment when because the way they did it was they, and they do this sometimes. The OEMs they're going to show you something that's so secretly secret. They put tape over your phones or put a little you know a little over the we had to put them in bags or put yeah. them in a little bag. Uh, and little even if it's like your laptop, bags. they'll put a thing over your laptop so your laptop or your like iPad nothing can take a picture or record anything of anything. So they do this sometimes when things are really in advance and they really want to keep it under wraps until their official reveal. So we saw it. And I remember pulling the sheet off in my little group that went in there when they did it, we all were like, what is this? What new car is this? And it's like, Oh my God, that's the Prius. Like it was that <laughs> different. We yeah. didn't know what we were looking at for a second.
0: <laughs> yeah. This is the fifth generation of the Prius. And it's, I would argue that it's the first one that's actually attractive. Yeah. Yes, it, that's true. It,
1: it no longer has that. That the Prius, through its little iterations, has always had this very distinctive rear end that is not attractive, especially in the most recent version. At least I don't like it. No. Um,
3: no. And
1: it's, it's, they've lost no. that. It's gone. Like now, the Prius just looks like a nice, attractive sedan instead of this like weird making a hybrid. Because you know, I guess it made sense once upon a time because once upon a time it was like the hybrid was a Prius. Literally
0: the hybrid. It was, it was the, the hybrid. One.
1: So it looked different because you could it get was an inside hybrid. Yeah. And you could get a <laughs> well, yeah, civic for, for a yeah. short time too, but, but like the, the, if but the hybrid, it, yeah. it was the one, right? So it looked different because it was an entirely different animal in the automotive landscape, right? Now there's a bazillion hybrids and, you know, plug in
0: Toyota sells and most EVs, of them.
1: Right. So to make it look like, Hey, this is the Prius. Well, just make it look good. You don't need to scream that it's the like, it's no longer unique for being a hybrid. So make it look good.
2: Yeah, <laughs> they could have made it look good before.
1: They could have, but they were still keeping this like Priusness.
2: Yeah, whatever, we going to do whatever we want.
1: <laughs> we're Toyota. We're Toyota. <laughs> to heck with you people. Um, I I, guess, I like how the new one looks. I think it looks such a vast improvement.
0: Yeah, I guess you know the the question I have you know is does Toyota even still need a Prius? You know, for a while there you know, a decade ago, they, they were trying to create a Prius family, you know, a sub brand right. within, within the brand, you know, they had the, the standard Prius, they had, um, the Prius plug-in hybrid, the first gen Prius plug-in hybrid, they had the Prius C, uh, the Prius V, um, you know, and, you know, cause Prius was the, the brand that was associated with hybrids mm-hmm. and, you know, then all of those, except for the, the standard Prius and the Prime, you know, eventually went away. At you know, last year I think Pri- Toyota sold something like sixty-five thousand Priuses, um, which is about half the number of Rav Four hybrids that they sold.
1: Wow! Is it really the difference yeah, is that Yeah, it was big? it was
0: over one hundred and twenty thousand Rav Four yeah. hybrids last year. Um, so the question is, at this stage, does Toyota even need a Prius? What do think- you think?
1: I don't think they need a Prius, but it's still selling 65,000 units a year. There's still a market for it. You know what I mean? And I guess they have to find that tipping point where it just doesn't make sense to make it anymore. There's still people who, even when it was a fugly little thing, obviously, loved the Prius. You know, there's people who still want a Prius. So I think until that, do they need it? No, they have other vehicles in their lineup, but there's still people who like the name. And who want a Prius, and they want that? You know, I have the Prius. It has, you know, I think until that disappears, and until sales hit a certain point where like it's just not worth it anymore, why not keep making it? I mean, yeah. Toyota's
2: going to fill every single market crevice with their mm-hmm. vehicles. I mean, they have fifty-three SUVs. They have like the <laughs> they have the Toyota Cross. <laughs> they have the they have the Rav Four. They have the Rav Four Plus, which is the uh, the Venza. <laughs> they have, you know, the Prius is just, you know, it fits in between the, the, the Corolla and the Camry. Or maybe it's above the Camry. Who knows? It doesn't matter because well, they're going to fill in every, every single. Every last interrupt. conceivable it's a, it's, slot. It's actually the same size as a Corolla. Yeah, but it's, it's, um, it's higher up. It's higher up in the, if you look at the, for them, for them. It's like saying the Venza is yeah. like the same size as the RAV4. Yeah, but the Venza is a little bit better. That's the Prius. Yeah. The Prius is a little bit better than the Corolla, but not nearly as fancy as the Camry, I guess. I mean, if you look at the interior, they still have that same squishy seat because they know people who are driving mm-hmm. Priuses are driving, you know, they're all Uber drivers and they're going <laughs>
0: 700 miles a day.
1: Right, they and just they need want a comfy a com- seat. Yeah. They just need a yeah.
2: comfy seat.
0: Um, they, they did make this one significantly more powerful. Uh, the new... Fifth-gen hybrid powertrains now up to 196 horsepower in the the standard Prius, and then the new Prius Prime is 220 horsepower. Um, for the the standard Prius, they're saying they're projecting 56 miles per gallon combined, which is I think the current one's about 54, 54, 55, so it's a little bit better. Um, and then the Prius Prime, they're they're saying you know 50% more. Electric range. So this, the Prime is the plug-in hybrid. Um, you know, they're they're not giving a specific number for range yet, but 50% more than the current 27 puts it somewhere around 38 to 40 miles of electric range, which you know would be um, slightly less than the Rav4 Prime. Um, but they haven't said what size the battery is, so I'm, I'm guessing the battery might be a little bit smaller than the one in the Rav. Um, but um, yeah, I mean it's it's definitely an attractive car. It'll be interesting to it, it's it's something that you know. I look at this and you know it's like I don't you know <laughs> suddenly want to shirk away from it you know because it's so <laughs> hideous. The, the current the current eee. generation you know, especially shirk the prime is, is just it's bad it's really bad. <laughs> Um, and I, I like this car i really I mean, they, like it the
2: marketing with prius the, the, the badge the name the name is super powerful i mean mm-hmm. just that's just
3: it you just like, can't drop everybody... it
2: because you have a, a, everything and everything i think is what toyota is looking at You're like, you know we have this powerful name let's make a pretty car this time um and uh let's keep it going let's just keep like the train going you know, the Prius there's... is like let's do it this time
1: there's so many people who, because you think like we, like us, and a lot of our listeners are probably more car people, obviously, and know all the very many options that are out there when it comes to hybrid vehicles and have an idea of what's what and what's good and what's bad and, and what, you know, what you get in the various stands. But if, you, if you're not that person, if you're not a car person, you're just like, I just want a really good, hi- I want a hybrid. The hy- first thing that still comes to most people's minds is a Prius. I'm going to go buy a Prius. I don't think about it. I'm just going to go buy a Prius, you know?
0: Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Um, One thing I do like is it finally has the instrument cluster directly in front of the driver where it belongs instead of having this narrow slit across the the top of the middle (laughs) of the dashboard. Uh, Um,
1: (sighs) You like it, but you don't like it? No, I like
2: it. They put it there finally where it belongs because that's how your brain works where God intended there there was like a study about never mind it doesn't matter anyway dash clusters should be where dash clusters are supposed to be so you just have to slightly look down and you can keep driving not over in some weird corner stop trying to be fancy it's
0: not helping anybody (laughs) if anything you're making things worse and there will be an all wheel drive version with uh, electric drive on the rear axle um, as there is with the current generation so that's that's good um, zero to 60 time with the all-wheel drive would be down to seven seconds, Ooh. which is significant improvement over the old one, which was uh, 9.8 seconds. Well, it was so ugly, it was scaring the air, and the air would try to stop it. <laughs> no, was like, ah.
3: go away.
0: Uh, all right. So that's the Prius. Good job. Good um, job, Toyota. Yeah, and
2: I just throw some of that magic on the Tacoma, and, and Nicole will be happy.
1: Exactly, and then I'll say nicer things about the Tacoma. Sorry, Toyota.
2: <laughs> no, the, don't, don't apologize to Toyota. They know what they're
0: doing. <laughs> <laughs> they're making money. They, even, they're you, still we,
1: making money. Honda, yeah, fist, they're so.
0: fine. Toyota's fine. And, that, and you know, even though you know Prius sales in North America have declined significantly, they still sell a lot of them globally. Still a lot of vehicles. A lot of, yeah, a lot of them in Japan, um, and and some in Europe as well. So, um, all right. The other thing that was shown off the night before, at about the same time as the Prius, was the Genesis X concept. Um, and uh, did did you happen to go to the Genesis X event?
1: I did not. I went to a swanky dinner instead, so I did oh. not get to. That. I'll tell you honestly why I didn't make it. Um, but I did see the images. Did you end up going to that, Robbie, at all?
2: I was in Germany doing oh, the thing I'm Germany. not allowed to talk
0: about.
1: Oh, that's right. <laughs> Well, I, I did see. Whomp, there's, I mean, whomp. there's a million pictures. I love how it looks on the outside. How's
0: yeah, I mean, it's 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 fabulous looking. Yeah, so this is um, for those that haven't seen it. It is a uh, a, a big four seat luxury convertible that's a hardtop convertible. Yeah. Oh yeah, hardtop convertible, and it's electric. So, um, uh, you know, they they haven't really given any indication of whether they'll build something like this, but. I think this would make a great flagship for the Genesis brand. Um, we'll see. You know, hopefully, they hopefully they do build something like this. It I, still
1: has, and it still has the the crystal sphere for the little from, rotatable, from the GV60. The, yeah, they have a little little gif of it, gif chif, whatever of it, floating around on the on the center console there. It just it's slick looking. I like it.
3: Oh. Yeah.
1: No, no I think this is a really good looking great, vehicle. Great. I, I just, you know, the thing is, you see the concepts like this that are so beautiful. Like, this is beautiful. You just look at the exterior design of this car. It's really beautiful. It's a stunning vehicle. And I wanted to build it just like this. Just do this. And they this. never do. Yeah. They never do. Like, they will come, well, this is based on, like, you ever have one of those where, you know, there's the concept car that you fell in love with and you so wanted to see for real one day. And, like, oh, this is the vehicle we based off of it. And you're like, you showed me a two-seater Roadster, and this is a, like a heavy-duty pickup truck. How is this based on what you showed me a year ago?
0: Like They, they both have most, four wheels.
1: Yeah, right. The four wheels are the same. They, have they feel like they stray so far from the concepts, and the concepts because they have a little more – because they're concepts. They're not necessarily mm-hmm. going to be built. They have the flexibility to do things they just can't do in the real world either because the design doesn't – stand up to safety testing or the interior has components that are just ridiculously expensive that don't make sense. I want him to build it just like this cuz this it's so pretty. Please Genesis build it just like this.
0: Don't change a thing.
1: Don't change a single thing. Not well, one. it will have to add just...
0: headlights, but other than No. That. <laughs> no, it's, it's, got, it. it's got headlights. It, it has the, lights. If you it's look got there's the, those, those twin horizontal strips
1: which I'm uh, betting by some law in the U.S. is illegal, and they yeah, can't do yeah, it, right? That so single. that will be no, the first thing.
0: No, I mean, this is actually not all that different from the headlights that are on the G90.
1: So then, wh- then Genesis yeah. has to build it this way. Genesis, do not let me down. Build this exactly like it is. I'm looking at this beautiful picture on your website of this sexy-looking hardtop convertible. Build it just like this. Thank
0: you. The world, the world needs more convertibles that are also electric.
1: Yes. And
2: yeah. This, don't this even is. get me
0: started on how much I've been waiting for a damn.
2: I had. I did an entire interview with the vice, the president of Mini uh, U.S.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, our CEO. and eh, it doesn't matter.
1: Um, <laughs> a guy at
0: Mini. A, guy, a very important the, man the, at the, Mini. The, per, the, per, the person that runs Mini for North America.
2: For North America. <laughs> oh, because for, for one question, will we see an electric Mini convertible? Yes. Yes, we will. That's it. That's all I cared about. I mean, there was other things. And what did that, he say? He said yes. Did he yes. say yes? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, excellent. You can read about it all. You can read all about it on TechCrunch. Um, and that was from last year's LA Auto Show. But uh, yeah, that's that's all. I, I'm like, okay, good. And there was other questions I had to ask him because my but they job, were relevant. But they were irrelevant. I don't even remember what I wrote about. Oh, he talked about like there was supposed to be a smaller mini vehicle than what we what they have on the mm-hmm. road today. Um, that was another thing he said that they might do, which I was like, was that a bike? Is that a little car is it a little so we'll see what happens
0: but cool all i cared all right. about was the convertible <laughs> did you know you can support wheel bearings directly head to patreon.com/wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you and exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity so if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other head to patreon.com/wheelbearingsmedia <laughs> the 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 other big piece of news out of LA was the return of the Fiat 500E. Yeah, when Fiat or Stellantis discontinued actually it was still Fiat Chrysler at the time, they discontinued the Fiat the 500E, the old 500E in 2019 with the rest of the 500 lineup except for in fact they discontinued all the Fiats except for the 500X. Um and now they're bringing the 500E back to North America. In early 2024, um, they haven't given us much detail yet, but the the new generation 500E, which shockingly is actually not bigger than the old 500, um, it's basically the same size, um, it, but now it has, in Europe at least, it has two battery options, a 24-kilowatt-hour battery like the, the one we had here and a 42-kilowatt-hour battery that gives, on the WLTP drive cycle in Europe, it's 199 miles. Here, it'll probably be, on EPA, it'll probably be somewhere between 140 and 150 miles, which is almost double what you had for the 84 miles on the old 500E. But despite the mediocre range, the 500E, I always thought, was actually the best 500 to drive. It's the best Fiat. Just hands down. The, the, The Fiat 500E is the best Fiat. And it'll... It will be the only Fiat we have here, uh, because Boom. the 500X now is by default. Away. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it will be the uh,
1: best because. <laughs>
0: um, I, I, you know, I did talk with uh, Larry Dominique, uh, who is the head of um, both Alfa Romeo and Fiat brands for North America, uh, the other day, and we'll drop that in here. But, uh, and he explains the, the reasoning behind it. Uh, behind why they're bringing the 500e back uh, to North America because they don't expect you know it's not going to be a big volume car may, at best maybe 10,000 units a year you know but uh, and it, and it won't be cheap but they're they're using it to experiment with a bunch of stuff um, what do you what do you think about bringing the 500 back
2: I I so we we when my WRX exploded the, the engine blew we didn't have any money. <laughs> So, at the time you get a Fiat 500 for like a nickel a month. So we leased the Fiat 500 for like 120 a month for 3 years. And it was fine. It was it but it's like a disposable camera of a car. Um <laughs> when they brought in they brought me the 500E one day, the the fleet people. I was like, "Why am I driving that piece of junk gas
5: version?
2: <laughs> I could have been driving this." It is it's it's night and day just how much better the that vehicle is. When you throw an electric drivetrain in there or a powertrain in there it is it is it I I, I was just like this is the best car our friends bought one they bought one used and they drive it around and they you know they love it are
3: you
1: really jealous
2: a little bit you know there's 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 something fun about a you know it doesn't have to a, a small electric car like the you know the, the mini se the 500 because they sort of those two vehicles I think of more so than than the Mazda really they keep the promise of what that car is supposed to be from that automaker and when you do that when you're like okay this is just going to be a fun little retro looking electric vehicle that are just going to cruise around town and do some things you're like yeah that's you know and that's they, they you're you're getting exactly what you, what you were expecting and and a little bit more i think you, people are going to be surprised if they've ever driven a 500 how much better the 500e is. And if they haven't driven a 500, just how much fun the little, that little thing is to drive around.
1: It is a fun little car. No, I've driven, I've, I, I know of several people who actually own them and have since had gotten rid of them for every reason and still pine away about the fact that they don't have them anymore and are so excited it's coming back.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, it, it probably won't be cheap. Um, you know, I've heard that it might be as much as like $40,000. Really? Whew. Yeah. Would uh, you pay
1: forty thousand dollars for it, Rob Roberto? Rob, well,
0: Roberto? I would pay twenty seven thousand dollars for a Mini SE. How's that? Okay. <laughs>
3: uh,
0: so, all right. So, I'm going to drop in the interview I did with uh, with Larry here, and we'll be right back. All right. So, Larry, good to talk to you again. Um, very interesting announcement yesterday. From uh, from Fiat um, bringing back the 500e to the North American market, and uh, you know, I personally, you know, uh, from the the first generation, you know, the the 500e was actually my favorite variant of the 500. I thought it was the most fun to drive, despite its limited range. I I thought it was the actually the most engaging version. I I, I preferred it even to the Abarth. Um, but I guess the the big question. Is you know after discontinuing um, the 500, you know aside from the 500X, um, why is why is Stellantis bringing the 500E back to the North American market? That's a great question, Sam, and it really comes down to the
6: reality or the fact that Fiat is a brand that doesn't necessarily need to be here; it wants to be here. Meaning, you know, today we sell the 500X. Um, we mentioned that we're as the 500x sunsets. We're gonna we're gonna just have the 500 in North America and the EV version only. Actually, we only have an EV version of the 500 globally. And the idea is, you know, we we look at the brand as an opportunity in North America to somewhat experiment. Uh, we know the customers are changing. We know the way they ingest everything from media, you know, streaming services, the way they buy food, the way they go get food served for dinner. There's a revolution going on where people are changing the way they 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 live, what their expectations are, how they ingest things. So we really want to look at Fiat as an opportunity that this vehicle, this amazing, highly crafted vehicle is really a lifestyle choice. You know, we, we're not coming out trying to be a mass market brand. We know it's a premium car. Um, the idea is to come in and, and experiment with new lifestyles, new ways of ownership, new ways of buying cars and, and put that in the marketplace. we can kind of experiment and we wouldn't want to jump in doing something innovative or something different with a Jeep brand or a Dodge brand. Uh, It's easier to do that with Fiat, which as Olivier Francois likes to say, I, you know, I'm the number one volume brand in in Stellantis at 1.4 million cars. Um, You know, focusing primarily on Europe and South America. I don't need an extra 10,000 cars in North America, as a matter of fact, um, your audience may or may not know, but, you know, right now the 500 is the number two selling EV in Europe. It's even the number one selling EV in Germany, believe it or not. Um, number two in Spain, number one in Italy. So it's a vehicle that's already production constrained, but we've made the decision to to bring them over here to really start to, to, to look at new ways of, of consumer ownership.
0: So, um, for example, well, I guess... Um... What what sorts of things would you be looking at? You know, things like subscriptions, um, deploying it through um, free to move car sharing services. What what types of things are you planning to look at?
6: Exactly. We talk. We first started talking about um, if you do want to own it, it's it's. You know, we talk about it being a click, not a not a traditional kind of of, of retail process. So we we believe it's going to have be kind of bipolar from an ownership point of view. We believe there's going to be multi car households with large driveways, large garages that are going to want this for fun. This is for practicality. This is for something they can drive when they don't need the truck. They don't need the SUV. They can drive the 500 on the opposite side. We believe it's going to bring in a new generation of potential owners and and users. And you're right. We are going to work, hopefully, with our free to move partners and deploying these in car sharing. And we think it's a great opportunity for people to get exposure to the car as well. Meaning if it's, if it's in LA, if it's in San Francisco, if it's in Washington, DC, and it's available on the road, it rent by the minute, rent by the hour, people are gonna get exposure to it. And once they do, they're gonna like, oh my God, this is amazing. And maybe it becomes a subscription. Maybe it becomes an ownership for them at the same time. So we are looking at subscription. We are looking at, you know, in the future, does such a thing as, as a fractional ownership exist? You know, definitely car sharing is part
0: of that equation. And then full ownership is there as well. So, a number of companies have experimented with um, various forms of car sharing and subscription over the last decade. Um, and nobody's really managed to find a viable business model yet. Um, so what what do you think you can do differently this time uh to you know to, to try to to make it a, a, a sustainable business that can actually That's make one- a great money.
6: question. And actually, before the the merger of PSA and Stellantis, I actually ran one of my roles was running the car sharing service we had in Washington, D.C. under free to move, and we were profitable. Um, If you look at the other brands that were out there historically, Cardigo and a few others, they were in many cities and they were they were losing a lot of money. And we I I would just say, looking at the bread and butter tactics of running a business, we learned that with these depreciating assets, which are pretty expensive to start with, they depreciate pretty rapidly you really have to have an amazingly efficient structure, cost structure supporting that car sharing service and make sure you're getting the right marketing and the right engagement with consumers to get the right utilization rate. Because if you don't get the right utilization rate with the right cost structure, it's not a successful business. We were successful and profitable in in Washington. We rolled it out in New York. We're now planning with free to move. We're looking at 30 cities on a global basis. We bought ShareNow uh, about six months ago, the global ShareNow. So we are now the largest, you know, free float car sharing company in the world. So we are deploying that very rapidly in North America. I think we're going to tend to be successful. So they're going to be a good partner for ours. Um, but we also, you know, are looking with free to move in, in our dealer network. Is there an opportunity to do daily rentals you know, or monthly rentals, you know, through our dealers? There's a fine line in some states between the definition of a subscription and a rental. Um, so we're we're making sure we're we're managing within those guidelines uh, but we believe there's we want to offer a high level of flexibility to the customers
0: given that this is a small car which you know would make a great urban commuter um and presumably will have you know obviously a better range than the first generation but you know i'm guessing probably somewhere in the 140 150 mile range uh epa um do you, do you see a uh, potential for some sort of um subscription service for customers where or or some sort of um you know, lease or buy program where they could have this as their their main commuter vehicle and then perhaps get access to other vehicles in the Stellantis lineup uh, if they want to do a road trip or, you know, they, you know, somebody living in the Bay area, you know, wants to you know, go up to Tahoe for the weekend, maybe get a grand Cherokee four by eight or something like that yeah. Are the the plans like, yes. like that.
6: the answer is yes. So, you know, the vehicle is optimized for city driving, you know, our, as we mentioned, as Olivia mentioned in the press conference yesterday, we're gonna be focusing on those urban centers where where we have to be hyper-focused because that's where the best performance, the best range, the best balance, the best parking is gonna be relevant. But to to that point, we do wanna look at ownership models and usage models where if a customer does have a 500 and they do need something larger for the weekend for that trip up north or whatever it might be, that they might have access to those. So that's, that's some of the
0: exploration we're doing right now in the business model. Okay. Um, for, you know, looking at, at free to move, you know, more broadly, you mentioned, you know, expanding it into uh, 30 cities um, you know, would, would do you also see the, do you, do you want to keep it focused on the small cars like the, the 500 E and uh, do, you, do you, are there any plans to expand the deployment of the Citroen AMI, which I think you've, you've had in DC um, to other cities as well?
6: yeah the the, so the answer is no our focus right now is is going to be on the 500 Um, that is going to be the brand at this point in time are we against looking at variations of that abart or cabrio or whatever it might be we're still saying that might be a possibility in the future but we're not we're not trying to get to 70 80 100 cars we're trying to focus we're trying to learn and we would rather be successful. Uh, with an incremental marginal business than trying to build a big business case, which requires you to sell a, a lot of vehicles with a lot of turnover to be profitable. So for, uh, Olivier has not been shy. This is not an inexpensive car. Uh-huh. You know, it's a, it's a premium car, but as we so- showed you yesterday with the three versions, the Armani, the cartel and the vulgari um, it's about craftsmanship. It's about quality. Uh, this vehicle drives around with L2 plus technology from an auto's point of view. So it has all the safety features, all the active safety, all the passive safety, high level of craftsmanship, amazing level of quality of materials in the car. So it is a premium car. And we know that that's not for everybody. This is why we wanna be hyper-focused and we know it's gonna be a vehicle for a certain audience um, because the AB segments always been niche. Uh So we're not trying to shy away from that reality. We're trying to focus within that to make sure we're being effective.
0: How, how big is the fiat dealer network in North America today? And, and where do you see it going, either larger or smaller in the coming years? Yeah,
6: so we have 357 dealers in the U.S. and about 120 in Canada. Um, obviously, networks ebb and flow. Um, so right now, if you look at our current sales, um, we don't have a lot of throughput on it per dealer point of view. Um, so, But there is a good UIO out there today. So we we don't really have an objective related to network size. So we're going to put this vehicle in market. We're going to identify what it's for. Um, And there are going to be certain regions of the country that embrace and and engage with it. There's going to be other areas that it's not necessarily the right vehicle with the right range for them. And that's fine as well. So it'll be a dynamic um, network
0: interaction. Um, But once we get the vehicle in play, then we'll have a better sense. You mentioned uh, the three concepts uh, that were shown in L.A., um, are are those intended for production to you know in, in limited volume?
6: No, those were those were truly one-offs that were done in, in connection with Armani Cartel and Bugari um, to show what's possible. You know, um, Fiat has an amazing history of working with brands. Um, I mean, I think the Gucci model uh, globally uh, they wanted five thousand units. Um, they sold out in like a week. They had to go back to, to Gucci and get them to agree to another 5,000. Uh, they ended up selling 10,000 of them. And they sold them out within a couple of weeks. So the brand's always been innovative. It's always a brand that from fashion and, a, and, a, and I'd call a luxury and in fashion industry, it's been a tremendous amount of interest in the brand. Uh, Olivier gets contacts all the time with people that want to partner with Fiat. So those three vehicles were this idea of, of sustainable luxury, you know, sustainable design, and sustainable um, luxury. So when we look at those three three characteristics, that was to show you what's possible. Um, but I think what you will see is you will see us, one of the ways we wanna think about the market, Sam, is we're gonna have the 500, but you're gonna periodically see special versions coming in, in limited edition. And it could be a Gucci, Volgari, it could be whatever. Um, but as the brand evolves, we're gonna to continue to do this in very limited quantity because first of all, it adds excitement. You know, it adds energy to the brand, and scarcity with these amazing partnerships um, are highly desirable for people.
0: So we're going to continue to do that. So um, you know, right now uh, in Europe, um, you know, Fiat has a, a fairly limited number of nameplates that it offers. You've got the Tipo, the Panda, the 500L, and the X and the Doblo. Do you see if if the 500E proves to be successful is there do you see an opportunity to expand um, the Fiat brand in North America beyond the 500? right now we have no plan to do that um, but
6: in this industry you never say never. Uh, the world changes as, as time goes by consumer needs and expectations change over time. So we would never say never um, but at this point in time we're going to focus on the 500 we're focusing on experimentation. We're focusing on trying to do things a little bit differently to see, you know, what the future consumers are looking for. And then depending on the success of the 500, we may end up deploying some of those ideas to our other sister brands within Stellantis.
0: Okay. Yeah. uh, Famously, you know, when the the original 500E was was launched, uh, you know, late uh mr Marchioni uh you know encouraged people not to buy it uh, because they lost so much money on it. it it sounds like you know this time around you know between the the combination of positioning it as a more premium vehicle and the, the march of progress with the the electrification technology it even, even at a relatively low volume it sounds like you're looking at this being a, a pretty viable business going forward um, you know in addition to being a, a basis for experimentation
6: yeah so so the way we look at it so you have to also understand that the original 500 e was uh, an ice platform that was derived into a battery electric pump. compliance car. You know, it, it becomes a compromise in range, a compromise in design, a compromise in many factors to that. And one of those compromises is cost as well. The new 500 was designed from the ground up as a battery electric vehicle, BEV platform. Um, as we said, you know, the plant of Mia Fiori is building about 100,000, give or take a little bit, vehicles today. Our incremental volume is marginal on top of their production. So we're not adding incremental factory costs. We're not adding incremental costs. We're actually making it more efficient because we're selling more. Mm-hmm so yes and it is a premium priced vehicle so it's going to be priced it's going to be volume it's going to be incremental volume on top of the existing plant that doesn't add a lot of cost for homologation we've been able to optimize that so you know it, you know we work in stellantis we work with mr tavares we will
0: be profitable and and obviously you know as an ev only uh you know compared to when the original 500 was launched here you know, homologation in a lot of ways, certainly from you know things like emissions and federalizing the powertrain, is is not really an issue uh, this correct. time around. So that should save you a lot there. Correct. It's basically
6: lights and body and white safety issues that you have to upgrade a little bit or modify a little bit. Just not that they're more or less. They're just different than mm-hmm. Europe, so we have to do that.
0: So uh, for North America, this is going to launch uh, early 2024. Correct.
6: Correct. Correct. Okay. We're going to and we're going right, to right now. The plan is U.S. and Canada.
0: All right. well, anything else um, with with Fiat or the, the 500 uh, that we should be uh, thinking about going forward, um, you know that, uh, that we haven't talked about
6: um not not too much. I mean what, what I love about this car is is I think what's going to be a really surprise to people, Sam is the the driving characteristics of the car. Uh, the vehicle is an amazing driving car. And I think people will be immensely surprised by driving. it. And if you've driven the previous generation, it's not even comparable with the previous generation. It's just head and shoulders ahead of us. This. this is why it's the number two EV in Europe overall behind Tesla. And it's because it's such a good car. And, and I'm really looking forward to the media getting a chance to get behind the wheel to experience this car. Well, I can't
0: wait to try it out. Uh, it should, sounds like it'll be a lot of fun. Um, thanks for your time this morning, Larry. I know it's, I, I don't know if you're, in California right now or back here in Michigan, but uh, I'm in California. I'm used to the early mornings. All right. Well, (laughs) have a great day. And uh, and thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate it. Okay. We're back. Um, let's see. Um, anything else from LA that we didn't talk about that we should mention new Subaru Impreza they
1: lost and the sedan is gone, isn't it?
0: Yeah, no sedan, no manual yep. transmission anymore.
1: Yeah,
3: just a CVT. Oh, boo. Mm-hmm. All
0: right, um, let's move on then. Um, one of the uh, things in uh, in a lot of countries, uh, especially in Europe, um, and and even here, EVs um, have been exempt from paying certain taxes as part of the incentives, or EV owners have been exempt from paying certain taxes as part of the incentives to to go electric. Um, you know, and here, for example. Um, you know, since you don't take an EV to a gas pump, um, you're not paying any gas taxes and gas taxes are mostly what pay for the roads that we drive on. Um, and so one of the challenges with, um, going electric is we just have to figure out where we're going to get the money to pay for the roads. Um, and you know, a number of states and stuff here, you know, are, have talked about or are starting to implement taxes on uh on evs you know other other types of taxes and they're they're looking at restructuring moving from you know a per gallon gas tax to um uh you know a, a per mile you know a vmt tax that you know a, a tax on you know for every mile you drive you've got to pay some number of cents
1: oh we've mm-hmm. lost sam
2: no i'm still here <laughs> we uh, pay in california i pay it's 175 bucks more a year for registration
0: for an EV, for, for an
2: EV. For, yeah, you pay more for an EV because yeah. you don't. We're not paying any gas tax. So I'm like, yeah, that's fine.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, you're using the roads, you're putting wear and tear on the roads, so I think it's fair that EV owners should yeah. contribute to the the cost of maintenance of those roads. Um, so in the UK, uh, they just announced that starting in 2025, EVs, which up until now have been exempt from the vehicle excise tax, will have to start paying that tax. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, at some point, you
2: know, you, you, it's the we're not going to get. Uh, you know, EVs won't have carpool access like they do now. At some point, I mean, there's 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 a lot of things that we're doing for to get people to adopt. That as people adopt, it like all right, party's over. Let's uh now you just have a car. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: it's just like everybody else, you got to pay your fair share. All right. Um, last item: Tesla. Uh, announced this week that they are changing the name of their Tesla charging connector, which I'm not sure did it actually have. Did it a, have a name? name? Wasn't it just
1: Tesla charging connector? Could <laughs> be. Yeah.
0: Anyway, it's now to going forward will be known as the North American charging standard, okay. um, because Tesla has decided that it's a standard. And it's,
1: it's, I was like, we're ta- no one else has called it. We call it Dibs. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, North American charging standard, and you know they really? they have. <laughs> Put out the specs for it. Yeah, they've, they've, you know, open sourced it, which they've talked about doing in the past, or at least they've said that they'll. Anybody else that wants to use it is is free to use it, but no other automaker did because everybody went with the actual standard that they all agreed to uh, through SAE, which is the the combined charging standard. Um, and um, Tesla wants everybody else to change to their connector instead of them changing to CCS. I
1: don't think which, that's probably going to happen.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, yes. It, I mean, you know, there's a lot more electric vehicles and plug-in vehicles on the road, a lot more models, not necessarily more unit sales, but a lot more models available that already have the CCS connector on there. And Tesla's already using CCS Type 2, which is the European version of it, in, in Europe. They, you know They've had to use it for several years now. And, but they don't want to change to CCS here. And in China, they have to use the, the Chinese standard, which I, f- I forget the name of it, but they they have a standardized connector over there. They use that one in China. North America is the only place where they still use their proprietary connector. And they've decided, no, we don't want to change it. We want everybody else to change to ours. I'm sure it, it, it's a tax issue. You think or,
1: it's, it's, a it's a
2: tax issue? It's an IRA. It's a not... <laughs> is there a inflation reduction act issue
0: like if they don't get anyone else they won't get more money
3: uh, no, get some I th- of that money I,
0: th- I, th- I think it's actually um, the infrastructure bill the money for building out chargers building out charging infrastructure um, the way they, the the system the way it's set up right now um, anybody that wants to get money from that program has to use the CCS connector
2: uh, see so, yeah there you go
0: and, Money. and Tesla doesn't want to change over all their chargers to CCS.
2: But I thought, but didn't Elon just say that people should that that automakers shouldn't get uh shouldn't get subsidized by the government
0: anymore? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Woo, how quickly! I did. Yeah, I'm <laughs> um, I'm not going to go there. Uh, um, so there's that. <laughs> all right, <laughs> there's that. <laughs> <coughs>
1: We are gonna lose Sam. My husband just bought uh, me a cup of tea. Get your wife to bring you something to drink.
0: <laughs> uh, my wife is still somewhere between Joplin, Missouri, and Madison, Wisconsin. Oh my
1: goodness! Okay, that so would be a little difficult she, then.
0: She and a friend of hers took a road trip this week, and they went to went to Austin for the week. So nice. So they're they're on their way back. My wife should be home tomorrow night, hopefully. Um, but uh, yeah, it's. Yeah, you know, I've been, I've been, I've been have, I've had a cold all week.
1: Oh, so. your bachelor Aww. lifestyle has been cramped by having a cold. That's sad. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just
0: me and Daisy here. She's laying behind me on the floor. All right, let's answer some listener questions. Okay. Um, I've been, I've been. And um, as I mentioned last time, um, I'm trying to migrate away from Twitter for this. So, going forward, if you have listener questions. Uh, please send them to uh, feedback at wheelbearings.media. There's a link on the wheelbearings.media site. Um, you can still send them by Twitter. I'm not going to kill the, the the Twitter account uh, anytime yet, but eventually I want to migrate away from that. Um, but we, we got some questions this week, some by email, some by Twitter. Um, first up uh, from Evan Harris. It uh, says, Probably nothing for the show, but I wonder how many people aren't going to buy Teslas due to what Elon is doing to Twitter. Tonight was the last straw. No more Teslas for me. I know multiple
2: people and I know like hardcore Tesla fans who before Twitter weren't going to buy, decided not to buy from, they're not going to buy their next vehicle. These are people, I have no one person who has bought multiple Teslas who won't buy from Tesla anymore because they, they can't with Elon anymore.
1: But it had nothing to do with Twitter.
2: This one had nothing to do with Twitter. So I think this is. I think more and more people are just finding out about Elon's inability to actually run a company and <laughs> and, and sort of cruelty to his employees, which people who've been covering Tesla for years know about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's you know it's it's not helping him. <laughs> it's yeah. not going to help his company. I mean that's it's it's you know he he, he you know he he's going to do what Elon's going to do. What Elon's going to do. And uh, I'm sure that he's made some fans, but he's probably losing more than he made. And then again. I,
1: I, I think for just as much as there's people who are saying, like, ah, I hate Elon, he bought Twitter, he's terrible, I'm not gonna buy a Tesla, there's people like, hey, let's see what the heck he does, maybe I'll buy a Tesla. Like, I think there's, I think there's a split. I think there's some people who will gravitate away and some people who'll say, doesn't matter, and other people who might be like, woohoo, go you, and, and consider it that might not have before. It's gonna go all over.
0: That's what I think. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Uh, all oh yeah, up. there's definitely people
2: yeah. who are gonna like. Well, you know, he's he's people who don't quite understand how a social media network works, and they're like, "Oh yeah, he's smart." I'm like, eh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hashtag yeah. not a genius.
3: <laughs> all right,
0: <laughs> uh, Dave Wengler asked um, if I keep my cars for ten years, uh, I don't care much about resale, and only do five thousand miles a year. Does any kind of electrification actually make financial sense when considering initial cost, gas, and servicing?
1: Well, get a Leaf or something. you're making me do math, David. What's the cheapest EV? <laughs> Is it a Leaf? Isn't there the a Bolt? Leaf? The Bolt. A,
0: what kind yeah. of electrification actually makes financial sense when considering initial cost? I mean, I, I would say you know at the very least a hybrid. Yeah, that know, might be a
1: better call. Yeah, yeah.
0: you know a, a a lot of the hybrids now, you know, there's very minimal. Uh, cost premium over gas version um, and while you know at 5,000 miles a year but what if he does all 5,000 of those miles at once <laughs>
3: <laughs> as there's one lot,
1: does there's a lot there's a lot going
2: on so you're just going to do
0: one, one transcontinental road trip a year <laughs>
1: <It's> very, <laughs> if you're doing, just it, drives out there drives back the next year drives out there drives back the next year if you're driving
2: like no miles if you're driving like 20 miles a day maybe yeah If, you know, five days a week, you know what? You can get that mini SE. That's what
0: I was just saying. You're going to have the the most fun of anyone else in an EV with those 20 miles. (laughs) Or, you know, depending on where you live, you know, what your weather's like, maybe an e-bike might be a better (laughs) option. Yeah, maybe
1: an e-bike. Time for an e-bike, my friend.
2: (laughs) Give yourself a couple, you know, 20 grand. (laughs) 25, 30 grand. Get yourself an e-bike. But or you know, a bus maybe some, pass, maybe a nice something, bus
0: pass, some, some, something a bus like a, pass. a Corolla hybrid or um, the um, you know Hyundai Elantra hybrid. Uh, you know I mean they're they're pretty reasonably priced. You know or you know Ford Maverick, Ford Maverick hybrid, twenty grand. There
2: you 20 go, twenty grand,
0: uh, forty miles per gallon. So you know, I mean, I I wouldn't I wouldn't go out. You know, if you're if you're driving that little, you know, and your vehicle's in good shape, I wouldn't go and buy another vehicle just to electrify, you know, I mean, keep what you've got because it's, there's certainly, you know, far less emissions involved with keeping what you have and driving it minimally than buying another, you know, buying another new vehicle. Um, But if, you know, if the time has come that you do need to replace it you know, if you're 10 years up, 10 years is up on your car um, you know, there are some options, you know, some hybrid options that are really good Um, you know, or like a used leaf, you know, or, uh, or a used, used bolt. bolt? Yeah. Yeah. Used, used bolt. bolt is actually probably a better idea best. than a used leaf because the liquid-cooled battery is probably going to be in better shape than yeah. uh, a 10-year-old air-cooled leaf battery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Bren Berenthausen asked, um, does the Ionic 5 still qualify for a federal rebate? Also, this new color for the 2023 Ionic is the best one yet and should have been the flagship color from the start. Uh, way better than the Cyber Gray, and I, I'll have to find the link uh, and put that in there. I can't remember what the color was, but as far as the rebate goes, no, uh, it's not Done. built in North America, so it 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 uh, does not qualify. Only vehicles since the uh, IRA was pa- signed into law, only vehicles that are assembled in North America qualify. So no more rebates on the on any but of the Hondas. It has.
2: Which is, supercharged Hyundai's
0: uh, uh, plans to build a factory here in the
2: United States. Yes. They build all all their EVs in in Korea.
0: Yeah. um, Hyundai pulled ahead the start of construction, the groundbreaking on their new factory in Georgia uh, by like eight months, six or eight months. Um, And um, they plan to have production going by the end of 2024 uh, at that plant. So new jobs. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, good thing. Jeff asks, what is the best EV charging app uh, that is to find chargers and route planning?
2: I still like a better route planner. It still feels like it's it's designed by an engineer. So sometimes yeah. you're using it and you're like, what? Why is there all these app options? Um, but if, you, if you're willing to, if you pay the, you, you can use it both on your computer and, you, you know, on the website and on your phone. So you just make an account. You don't have to pay for it if you just have a regular account so you can put in like what route you want to do and it'll it'll show up on your phone but if you want to work with like carplay or android auto you're gonna have to pay the five dollars or four dollars a month for it but
3: which is not not
2: much yeah i know i used it to to drive around california with uh, the bmw i4 uh I don't know, a month ago, a few, I don't even know what time is anymore. Um, a while back, and that was great. It, you know, there's a couple of routes. There's a couple of times where I stopped before it, but you know, I could see all the charging
0: stations along my route,
2: so it was, it was, uh, it was helpful.
0: Yeah, and you know, some some automakers have pretty decent um, charger location and routing built into their NAS systems. Others, not so much. Um, yeah. I'm talking to you, Hyundai and Kia. Um, but uh, as much as I love the, the ionic 5 and the EV6, um, the, the chart, and they know yeah. this, they're, they're working on update for that. but the you know the ability to find chargers in their navigation system is, is not good. Um, but uh, yeah, better route planner is probably the best one, but you probably want to spend a little time with it before you head out on a road trip, figure mm-hmm. out how it works yeah don't, don't, don't yeah, just jump in the car
2: and be bit. like hey let me figure this out like, it's like SOC which is state of charge so you, mm-hmm. you know in case you didn't know what SOC means so you have to put in like your state of charge before you when you leave and what you want your state of charge to be when you get to where you're going and it's all very built by an engineer
1: <laughs> so it'll be very accurate but also very complex <laughs> yeah yes
0: <laughs> all right um, Daniel Bowermaster uh, had a couple of questions that he sent by email uh, to feedback at wheelbearings.media uh, longtime listener first- time caller uh, and I know John Volker quite well through work uh, yeah, John uh, a good a, yeah good good friend he of ours is a good so, egg yep. yeah um, anyway I uh, love the show thanks for doing it. be great to get your thoughts on two unrelated questions. number one will excellent outward visibility ever come back? Or will the march of occupant-focused safety regs lead us to the outward visibility of an (laughs) army tank? Are there any safety regs that track number of accidents caused by thick A-pillars, high hoods, high belt lines, poor rear visibility, etc.? I'm sure there's something. I'm sure there's something somewhere. Um, High hoods don't.
2: It doesn't. Well, I I I feel feel like I'm gonna yell about trucks for ten minutes. So, but trucks don't need to be like that. How's that? That's all I need to say about trucks.
0: Yeah, but you know, I, I mean, if, if you look, if you look at the, the stats, the you know, fatality stats and injury stats for traffic crashes, um, the the biggest increase we've had in the last ten years has been vulnerable road users, pedestrians and cyclists, mm-hmm. um, and that increase in fatalities of pedestrians and cyclists has directly corresponded with the increased proportion of SUVs and trucks on the road. Which have much worse outward visibility, um, you know. So, you know, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to. There aren't any um, regulations that track that directly, but you know, there's certainly a lot of correlation there. Not, you know, obviously, correlation does not indicate causation, but I think we can make a pretty, pretty decent argument that the inability to see out of these big SUVs and trucks. Um, especially, you know, stuff that's right in front of you when you're up high and you've got a hood that goes way out in front of you. You know, a, a child, you know, standing 5, 6, 10 feet in front of the vehicle is not visible. Um, and so it is it is a real issue. Um, you know, I think the the occupant safety regulations are going to make it tough to really increase visibility, but, you know, we're seeing some automakers – you know, trying to do some things with that. Uh, you know, some vehicles have gotten better. Honda is still pretty good at it. Um, at visibility others, you know, um, Toyota, for example, on some of their recent designs, you see where if you look at the belt line, um, you know, it does kind of dip down towards the front of the doors, the side windows, you know, so that it's a little bit lower. So you you can see kind of what's beside you on either side. Um, I think the, the thing we're gonna to have to rely on is more outward sensors, you know, more radar and lidar and cameras that show us what's outside the vehicle. Which kinda of sucks.
2: Uh, but I think there should I mean I think there's also a, a thing for, for in car I mean, we've also seen the rise of smartphones in our cars. <laughs> which people cannot put those damn things down. As someone who mm-hmm. rides a motorcycle around like, when you're a motorcycle, you're sitting a little bit higher, so you're looking down into everyone's cab. And you you spend a lot of time, like, looking at people's faces in <coughs> their rearview mirrors and, you know, just to see what they're going to do. And there are a lot of people on their phones. So they're in these giant vehicles on their phones. And I think the, you know, I think one of the things I really liked about the Subarus was the in-car monitoring. It's, it has nothing to do with driver's assistance. It's just to make sure you're looking at the road. Mm-hmm. It just yells at you for not looking at the mm-hmm. road. And and I think at this point, as a society,
0: Lucid we need a car,
2: Yeah, we need a car that just yells at you for not doing your job.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think we will see more of that. You know, we're we're getting more and more vehicles that are coming to market with driver monitor systems. Volvo's new uh, system in the EX ninety, uh, you know, is is also including radar sensors to detect you know other vehicle occupants. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think the the sensors inside that, you know make sure that you're actually paying attention to the road um, are going to be a big part of this as well. All right. Uh, The other question uh, that Daniel had is, what do you think about strong plug-in hybrids uh, per the recent uh, CARB rules? That's the California Air Resources Board. Uh, Bridge technology or long-term customer option? We argue about PHEVs at work. I, I work at a nonprofit that does research on the electric grid. Our team researches EVs and EV charging. Everyone on the team has an opinion opinion about EVs. I personally see a future where PHEV pickups are akin to diesel pickups of today. They cost more up front and to maintain, but are tough to beat for customers who have to tow for work or or, uh, want to tow for fun. Those who don't need such capability would be well served by BEV pickups. Um, The public fast charging network doesn't seem to be getting better anytime soon. The incentives are to get stations in the ground, not to keep them running. And the proposed ninety seven percent reliability metric from the feds is great but vague. Um, anyway, what do you think about plug in hybrids in the US?
2: I you know what? If you I think people can't have two cars. There's a lot of families that can't afford a second car. And there's a lot of families that have to do a lot of driving because, you know, they work in the city, but they can't afford to live in that city. And they live in an apartment. And, you know, there's a lot of sort of, you know, I, I would like a perfect world where we could all be driving EVs and there'd be EV charging like in Norway where it's every 10, 10 inches. Uh, but that's not what we are. That's not what we're doing right now. And I think a PHEV, you know, if it helps them uh, get some, you know, save some money, you know, it's, it's more money up front, but save some money in the long run for, for, for um, their commute. Um, I think, you know, it's still, it's, it's a good transition As we try to get this, you know, this infrastructure thing figured out, I think that's we still have a a way to go. Um, You know, I live in Northern California, where there's again there's a there's an
0: EV charger every ten feet. I can't throw a rock
2: without hitting one, but not everyone lives in my neighborhood, so
0: unless unless you go into a rural area of the state,
2: yeah, and even then there's still chargers all over the place. Like I was up in Mm -hmm. Yosemite, there was like there was like three chargers within like the campground I was at, and at the campground they had
0: chargers. (laughs) Well, when, when, when I was in the Russian River Valley this summer on vacation, there were no chargers anywhere. Yeah, so no, no, it, it varies coming. a lot. Well, I yeah. think
1: that's why I—that's I, why I think the plug-in hybrids are. I don't think they're necessarily just like a bridge. I really do think they're a long-term option because if you—if you're only going to have one car, you can't afford two cars. Like, okay, you can afford two. you can afford to get an electric and, and get whatever you want. But if you're only going to have one, this gives you some of the perks of having electric without, like, okay, we have to go on a road trip. We're not a family who can rent fly. a car for the week, or we're not a family who can fly. We need to go on a road trip. Well, then take your take your plug-in hybrid. You can you can benefit from being able to plug it in and charge it and get that reduced, you know, uh, fuel bill by just having to plug in and by reducing your emissions when you can when you're home. But you can still just say, I just I don't. I don't have the time, the energy, the wherewithal to plot out everything for a fully electric vehicle every time we have to go on a road trip. It's still there. I think plug-in hybrids have a lot to recommend them. I know people are really, like, hot or cold on them. They either seem to sort of love them or hate them, but I think for the right person, they're a great happy medium between, like, I can't rationalize the cost of an EV or fully going with an EV cause it's not convenient for me all the time because of where I live or because the infrastructure, because of the kind of driving I do a plug in hybrid takes care of that. You can use that sort of EV living when you can. And when you can't, you got a gas engine.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, I, I totally agree at, you know, one thing I would definitely say, yeah. And certainly, certainly, you know, for, uh, for applications like towing long distances, you know, battery electric vehicles can, can certainly tow, you know, we've seen that, you know, with the Lightning and, and with the Rivian, um, towing is not a problem except if you want to go more than 100, 150 miles, mm-hmm. then it's a real problem. And they are great hybrids. at towing
2: for hundred miles.
0: Yeah, yeah. There, then, then you know then not plug, so much. Plug-in hybrids will be a very important part of that solution, and I think you know this is. We've had some hints from Stellantis that that's what they're going to do with the Ram EV. That there's going to be a, a range extended version, which is essentially a, a plug-in hybrid that will be part of the the ram ev program um and i wouldn't be surprised to see uh ford you know offer a plug-in hybrid f-150 at some point uh as an alternative you know for those that you know want uh you know want want something more like the lightning but you know don't necessarily uh but but need to tow longer distances um the uh the other thing, though, is if you are going to buy a plug-in hybrid, um, do not buy a plug-in hybrid unless you actually have some place where you can plug it in daily. Mm.
2: You know, and Then you're just you,
0: wasting money. Now you're just hauling a yeah. battery around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, if you know, if if you're not going to, if you can't, you know, or don't plan to plug it in, you know, whenever you're at home, you now you're hauling around four or five hundred pounds of battery that, that you're not that's using. you're not doing anything with, and you know, so that's going to cut into your mileage. If that's the case, if you don't if you don't have someplace where you can plug in daily, then um, then just you know buy a regular hybrid. You know, uh regular hybrid's gonna give you you know a lot of the benefit. Um, you know, and if, if that's if that's the case, you know, if that's what works for you, then then that's what you should do. Um, and then you know, if you can If you can drive an electric, then do that, too. I mean, this is why there's no silver bullet solution. It depends on what your personal circumstances are, where you live, what you do with your vehicles. So, all right. One last question uh, from Bruce Ginsburg uh, from someplace called Nashua.
1: Oh, my God. He's literally in my town. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Hi, Bruce.
0: (laughs) I have placed a reservation for a 2024 Cadillac Lyric all-wheel drive uh, in May of this year. I've yet to see any on the road in my area. Um, I'm not surprised. Yeah, um, me neither. I, I was wondering how many GM has shipped to date and how the production volume is progressing. Is GM on track to deliver 2024 all-wheel drive in late spring of 2024? In late spring of 2024, as per Lyric reservation system, I think you actually meant 2023 there. Yeah. Um, so, first of all, um, yeah. At least through um, the end of September, GM had not delivered very many lyrics. I think the number for Q3 was something like 36 that they had delivered. That is, you know, three dozen lyrics that were delivered by the end of September. So there are very few of them out there. Um, You know, as far you know from what from what I've heard from GM, they do still plan to launch the uh, the 24 model uh, in late spring, uh, and add all wheel drive to that. Um, they did, GM did have an investor day, um, on uh, Thursday of this week. And, you know, they talked about some of their EV plans and they, you know, they had some delays in getting things ramped up with their Lordstown battery plant. Um, but that apparently they're getting over that. Um, and that, you know, that caused some delays in, uh, ramping up production of the Hummer and also the Lyric. So we'll see, you know, towards the end of the year, you know, when when we get the, the Q4, uh, sales numbers and delivery numbers from GM, we'll have a better idea. Um, you know, if you're, if you'll be able to get your Lyric next spring, um, for now they're saying, yeah, you should, it it should be on track for delivery in, in late spring of next year. Uh, and then also uh, any update on the mileage range of the all-wheel drive version? Nothing there. Um, although I would expect that it will be s- somewhat less than the front or the rear-wheel drive version because extra weight and drag. It'll probably be somewhere around 280, 285 miles, I think. Uh, and then uh, Bruce also winters in Florida, and we'll leave the lyric plugged in for four months while gone in winter months. Will this have an adverse effect on the? On the vehicle long term, um, I think that's probably not a good idea to leave it plugged in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I probably should look this up. I'm actually googling
1: weird. this, is this, I'm trying to find it because I, because I the answer is no, and I know in my heart it's no, but I can't get the yeah. details at my hands. Sam, I feel like you might have those in your engineering brain. No, yeah,
0: I I, I would say do not leave it plugged in um, for four months. Um, you know, plug. Charge it to about eighty percent state of charge, um, and then um, go in and disconnect the twelve volt battery, and leave it sitting. You know, with the batter, with the, the high voltage battery, the big battery, at about eighty percent state of charge. After four months, it should still uh, it should still have uh, plenty of range left to to start it with, uh, and, and then like I said, just unplug or disconnect the twelve volt battery. Because what that'll do, disconnecting the 12 volt battery, will disconnect power from all the other systems that would be draining the high voltage battery. Uh, so all the computers and everything else will be disconnected. So you know, if a if a, if you leave a lithium ion battery partly charged, it has a very slow self discharge rate. But if you leave if you just leave it parked normally. Then there's various other systems in the car that wake up periodically and do stuff, uh, like you know, looking for over-the-air software updates and things like that. Um, And those things will eventually drain the high-voltage battery, and the 12-volt battery at some point. And the 12-volt too.
2: Yeah. Then you you got to then you got to jump-start your 12-volt battery, which is weird because I had to do that the other day. Yeah. (laughs) So did you really? The, uh, the, what, on the on the Kona? On the Kona, so um the trunk hadn't closed all the way. And so the light was on and the car hadn't oh. been driven for a few days and then we went out to it and like nothing was coming on <laughs> and it was rainy and cold and so I have a little jump start. You know, yeah. one of those little
0: one of those little lithium batteries. Yeah,
2: Yeah, one of those little gizmos that has you know,
0: like, air up your
2: tires and jump start. And so I had to like open the hood and plug it in and it's really fun because when you when you when you jump start a regular car you like you know, you'll you'll wake. Like, <laughs> You yeah. rev the engine a little bit on the on the car powering the uh, the elect the uh, the uh, the the dead car. i like this is I'm like I'm, and and then you just hit the button. It's all click 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 and everything just came on.
1: I, I never really thought of it. So You just push the button. It's like okay, we're good now. Like, oh, there's okay, no like Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah there's I'm no. I've never it's, tried it's, to
1: jump start an electric car.
0: Yeah, no <laughs> you like, don't need as much power because you're not cranking the engine or anything. So Yeah, like on another car, if you try to do it like right away, you know, you get that. There's nothing. It's Just like. Click, click, tick, tick. Everything just turns on. So, so chart, um, Leave the leave the lyric plug uh, charged at about eighty percent, seventy-five to eighty percent state of charge. Disconnect the twelve volt battery, or just disconnect the, the negative terminal from the twelve volt battery, um, and then get a battery tender. You know, go to your local auto parts store or wherever, or Lowe's or Home Depot. Get a battery tender for about thirty bucks. It's just a little trickle charger that cycles your 12 volt battery up and down a little bit and keeps it in, in good condition. Just hook that up to the 12 volt battery uh, but leave the leave the negative cable disconnected from the battery so nothing in the car will be powered up but you'll be maintaining your 12 volt battery so it'll be in good shape when you come back. You just disconnect the battery tender, hook up the 12 volt or the, the negative terminal on the, the 12 on the 12 volt battery and you should be good to go.
2: Uh, so,
1: now you're ready.
0: Yep. Now you're kicking with gas. All right. So that's it for questions for this week. Um, I am. Uh, let's let's call, uh, Let's say goodbye. Cool.
1: All right, everyone. We will see you. When's the next one? We'll be all be together again next Sunday. Yeah. Woohoo! Two was, episodes in a row I'll, I'll where be, we're all together. I'll,
0: I'll be okay. recovering from the uh, the go ice cream, um, uh, burp, uh, bourbon butterscotch pecan. Ice cream pie.
1: It'll only be Sunday, so we'll all still slightly be in a Thanksgiving food coma. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Food coma.
3: Food coma.
1: All right, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.